This is a special NCAA tournament dream preview. And we got the wise guy around table to my left. They call him Uncle Dave. But those in the know call him Diamond Dave. That seems incongruent. It is. He's incongruent. Dave Esler in studio in Vegas. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. I'm, I've been looking forward to this since uh, probably about a month ago when we decided to come out here. And I appreciate you guys traveling to Las Vegas. And when I say you guys, to my right, he's a com- uh, an aspiring comedian. Stop. <laughs> Houston Radio. The Blitz. Is that the station or the show? That's the show. What's the station? ESPN 97.5. 97.5. The Blitz. The number one ranked sports talk show in Houston. In history. Is that right? In history? No, I don't know. That's made up. We don't lie here. That's made up. I I made that up. That's a lie. You do realize that if you're the number one show and you lie, it's going to make people wonder if you're lying about the number one show. Might be. Is it the number one show? Uh, I don't know. Sports talk. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, month to month, it, it could uh, it could be or it could so not be. So you've had a month recently that someone yeah. else has planted you? Oh, yeah. That you guys were, like, second? Yeah. In your time group or of all? In, in my time slot. So you're a loser. Oh. <laughs> Is that right? So, boy, ratings really did crash. Huh? What happened? The COVID. But that the other ratings would go down just as much. Right. And they did. Ours except, just have been slower to bounce back. Because of your extreme liberal views. Oh, boy. Here <laughs> no, we go. that's the inside joke is AJ is a, you know, he was in the army for four years. It was one jump away from Ranger School, former MMA fighter. What league did you fight in? The Legacy Fighting Championships. Yeah. He's like, you know, I mean, he's about 300 pounds now, but. Ooh. Like, what, what do you. Ted, 258. And then your other leg? Oh, come on. Oh, man. <laughs> come on. Come. But, but listen, this is a guy that that is um, a high-energy guy, but he knows college basketball. I mean, let's let's just say this. You'll see. You'll see. And he's been selling at pregame.com for a couple years, but his main job is on ESPN three hours a day, 15 hours a week. And I've never – I would say the following, and I said this yesterday, the best combination of broadcaster and knowledgeable about sports – uh, there's others that are broadcasters that know some. Well, I'm sorry, knowledgeable about sports betting. A lot of people know sports, and and it's a great thing. But you know sports betting like you know you're a professional in that you make money from it. It's not the only thing you do, but you're also an elite broadcaster. And to be honest, that's a rare freaking combination. But again, I'm the best combo besides you, right? <sighs> I. It's an interesting question. It's an interesting question because I was telling my wife about this and it was like, I think in a radio show, I would have trouble. Like all, nine out of 10 program directors are going to hire you over me for a radio show. Because you talk funny? I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. I wonder why you. Dave? Would, I wonder why you. Would uh, say, I'm. I'm. I I'm waiting why, for you to get the upper hand here, AJ. It I doesn't wonder, happen often. I, I think w- if anybody can get the upper hand on him, it's you. I wonder what insecurity it is that causes you to say something like that. Is it because I have a national radio show and you never That's have? what it is. You might get there one day, buddy. Maybe. I mean, I know for me it was a second thought. I mean, it was like <laughs> it's like I'm going to do all this other stuff. And oh, by the way, do you want a national radio show? I'm like, okay. I guess. I go, how much? Okay. An hour a day. 
I get why you'd be envious, but usually people hold it in. Not me. You just let it go. Honestly, I am envious about the hour a day. Yeah, that is, that's, that's nice. And then, you know, I mean, I'm sure you would think, you know what would be nice for my lead in calling Cowherd. Oh, that would be good. Right? But you're figuring it's just coincidental, all that envy. Yeah, that's, you're probably right. You're onto something. <laughs> he wasn't going to keep the upper hand, Dave. Come on. You're right. <laughs> but You're right. They actually, AJ and I have been having fun with this because he is a talker and he's good at it. So, and again, he can whip my butt. I know that much. <laughs> and when he gets drunk, he'll start to kind of, you know, he'll grab you, start to. Oh, stop. Do you ever like. Like bear hug people? Like, no. In the cradle, you know. What no. was your finishing move? I, I wasn't a professional wrestler. <laughs> a, a power bomb. But wait a minute. The so, figure four leg lock. But don't most. Uh, the, Submission specialists have a move they like, like the real naked choke or whatever. Uh, sure, there's ones you like, but when you're in a fight, but it's Ronda not like Rousey set up. Finish like every match a certain way almost. With arm bars, yeah. She was she was a specialist. I'm I'm not a specialist. So what you're saying is that you just didn't attain that level. I didn't attain that level. No. Boy, it was I mean, a... she was an Olympian. Did you attain that level? <laughs> no, God no. <laughs> All right, here's what we're gonna do, and the shenanigans are over. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna run down every freaking game. These are specialists. I'm not going to – I'm just going to be traffic directing because I don't know enough about college basketball to even give a thought. But we're going to do a couple things. One, we're going to go through and give a forced pick from each of them on advancing in the first round, right? So it's a straight-up pick effectively. Number two, they're going to have seven picks each on ATS sides, no total sides. And then at the end of the pod, we're going to rank – they're going to rank their seven, Casey Kasem style, seven to one, one being the best. Now, Faz, that throws Faz when we do that. So at the end of this, you're going to get 14 picks, and it will help your bracket. Now, speaking of Faz, tomorrow, so we're taping Tuesday, Wednesday release. Tomorrow is Wednesday for Thursday release. Essler and Faz, we're going to get Faz's macro thoughts on the tournament, any games that interest him. Dave, you'll counterpunch that, and then we will do... And some NFL talk because there's a ton of NFL news. So tomorrow's pod is going to be half bracket with Fez, half general pod. Let's get straight to it. First game. And, oh, we got the play in here. And then we'll talk about Michigan. And that is, by the way, St. Mary's against Texas Southern. Pick them. All right. I like like Mount St. Mary's. I I like them. I don't love them. It's not one of my seven, certainly. But I think Mount St. Mary's it gives some matchup problems here. They're they're huge down low. Uh, they they have a three big lineup, three guys who are six foot nine, all very capable defenders. Texas Southern, they don't have a ton on offense, but what they do have is Michael Weathers, who is a, a, an elite talent for 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 a SWAC level school. He's on his third program. He's the guy from Oklahoma State, BB Gun Gate. That's that's him. Okay. So he transferred down from Oklahoma State because Johnny Jones will take anybody who gets kicked out of a big program. Now, how do you know Johnny Jones? Johnny Jones used to coach at LSU. He used to no, coach I, at LSU. No, no, I understand that, like, I didn't know that. But what I'm saying is I understand. It's like, the, what do you, how how do you, and Dave's like this too. You guys just, is it just that you are reading everything, watching every game you can watch? I mean, I don't understand. Like, in the NFL, I get it. There's 16 games. I'm, I dig in deep. There's 300 schools, and it seems like you guys – like, did you know a lot – Texas Southern also plays in Houston, Texas. Okay, okay. And I, yeah. So what you're saying is 
But it sounds like in general, you I, I couldn't the, have na- I couldn't have named Dan Inglestad like before I started doing my tournament. Okay, prep, so so th- I couldn't have said Mount St. Mary's coach was Dan Inglestad. Okay, so a lot of this is if this was a regular season, and I just asked you about if you asked me about Texas about, Southern, I would know. Yeah, if you my, asked me Mount St. Mary's, I, I I wouldn't know their coach off the top of the head. Okay, do you feel more caught, like amongst your seven games? Would you guess and not going item by item here, would you guess that most of them are involved teams that you did follow very closely during the How much can you like a game that you kind of are learning about the team in the handicap for the game? Or or do you have to kind of know the team beforehand? Well, feel it, confident? I, I watch more games than most people, so I know some of these teams more than probably most people do. I certainly feel better if I've seen a team play a couple times. I, I certainly have more comfort level with them. But numbers are numbers. And if the numbers work, then that, that's good enough. Now, that's interesting because you do watch a ton of games. Yeah. Dave likes to um, – and I love every different style because I think it, it brings you different things to this. He likes to have the screen up where he's seeing the score stream in. He's checking box. So in a way, he's got like an advanced, um, almost like a modern – view of it because that's how I like I don't watch near as many sports as let's say other guys in my position I like to read about it I like to see you know and I think both ways can be great I mean meaning the yield on it but like Alan Boston used to talk about you know the famous uh, college basketball handicap or used to work with Billy Walters that he used to you know before the internet see the ticker right so up at the Mirage or whatever there'd be the ticker and give the score and he said he would watch the ticker, and he would just get a feel of the ebb and flow of the game. Now, Dave, you're not. Explain to me how what we mean. Like, there's going to be a final score. You can look at the you know first half number. If I'm just looking, what do you get from the flow that you wouldn't from just a box score? How the game was played out. I mean, you know, basketball is a, is a huge game of runs. And if I'm watching a game and some team goes out 14 to 2, I'll kind of keep an eye on that and I'll look for so them. If they win by seven, is that ba- does that lessen their win? Oh, it depends how they got there. Okay. So, so give me examples of what you would – what do you find impressive? What do you find – because Fezzik always was – Fezzik likes to go both ways, right? He'll say – they dominated that game. They were we don't up 20, need to get into sex life here. They, <laughs> they were up 21 to 3, and they dominate. Or it could be, hey, they barely won. They were up 21 to 3. It's like there's different ways to look at it. In general, in basketball, do you have categories of if a team gets up big and then they just barely hold on, I'm really critical of it, or whatever. How do you? Is there any of these that you can say generally is the case? No. Okay, the so the reason I do that, and, and you know, let me be frank, is – like AJ will watch one or two or four games. If I've got the odd screen up and I'm looking at the game flow, I can look at all of them all at once. And, and you're seeing the score, but obviously not the play. Exactly. But then I can I can I can make notes to myself. It, for me, it's just a higher and better use of my time. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I, I'm not questioning. I'm just saying when it comes to the flow, what are the things? What I'm interested in? What are the things that matter to you? Now, what strikes me. Is Dave's approach works well for someone that the handicaps at the team level? Your approach works better, AJ, if it's at the player level. Do you find yourself to be a player handicap? Absolutely. And and Dave, do you find yourself that matchups mean mean less to you? Individual match like this power forward against this power forward. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't discount them. I, yeah, I, I, I put I them understand. a little further down the down the never road. Never say never. I mean, yeah. you'll you'll hear me talk a lot about this team's good at pick and roll. This team's bad at defending mm-hmm. pick and roll. 
this is a good ball screen. Now, did like, you have any? You, did you play basketball as a kid? No, not so not. I, a, how did you pick up the X's and O's? I just watch basketball. Just watching, okay. Yeah, I just watch basketball. But, like, you, you can't get that from a ticker or a score I app, agree. Right? So I, I, I'm not saying my way is the right way. I, I'm, no, I'm not, a, I got I got There's all different ways. But uh, I, I don't think I could win if I didn't watch these games and, and have some sort of depth of knowledge about them. And that's the same thing Dave would say about, you know. That's uh, the yeah, that whatever works for each guy. It's, I just think about myself in the NFL, and I know the thing I want to do I want to improve the most is matchups. I want to understand. Like, when I hear people that know that, it's like they're like, well, yeah, that was the Seattle system. And anytime they play too high, you know, a guy that's got two good inside slots, they can't stop it. I've got a guy who works at my station named Lance Zerline. His dad was an offensive line coach for the Arizona Cardinals. And he works for NFL Network. And he sits So he works at your station as a host? Yep. He does our mornings, and then he also is is a, a draft analyst for NFL Network. So he's constantly in his office on on the TV with his Xbox controller, watching college film, watch like so he can do write ups on these players. So and, he's doing he, he's doing write ups for the draft. The theory yeah. is he's learning them as they come in. Yeah. So he's watching tape on these guys, and I, I love just sitting in there and picking his brain about things because I can watch film at a, at a rudimentary level. He's really good though. He's excellent. We might, we should maybe have him, you know, maybe once a month, we'll have him do 10 minutes or so, you know, because if he wants, because it seems like that I'd like to learn some of that. Yeah. Maybe he, you know, we're thinking of that project. Maybe he sits in maybe on it. Maybe so. So the project we're thinking about is because AJ does watch the All 22 on all the NFL, and I want to learn it. So we were thinking of picking out, what was it, overrated team of the week or, or unit, offense or defense, yep. underrated. And then it was going to be what? The pl- oh, quarterback of the week, overrated, underrated. So four different kind of, you know, that'd be good. Well, and kind of what we were talking about where when you watch the players, we talked earlier on, on Straight Out of Vegas today about QBR and the importance mm-hmm. of QBR. Watching the game kind of gives you a sense because not every basket is the same. Not every turnover is the same. The theory, is it, the theory to me is in the – because we're talking about something different now, the value of watching the game versus the X's and O's. To me, it evens out for everyone. Okay. But maybe it doesn't. Over the long term, we know it does, right? But – that's why I like PFF. I give PFF, a lot of people are critical of PFF. I I like what they're, they're the only ones doing what they're doing. They watch every play and they grade every player on every freaking play. So in a way, they're watching the thing twenty two times, right? How could you? I, I get. I don't know. Maybe they bunch grade linemen or whatever. But and it's always interesting. McKenzie's been picking up on this, and I like that he's been popping on the screen. Is when someone like Fitzpatrick today. He finished the regular season fifth, I think, in QBR and was like 22nd in the PFF grade. That's right. So that says there's a disconnect from performance on the field to stats. Those are the guys that tend to, you know, legitimately regress because it's like, but he did it last year too. He was like the seventh QBR. So, okay. It looks like App State against Norfolk. Dave, what do you got in this playing game? Yeah, I mean, it would be easy for me to not like Norfolk. They're from the MIAC, which is 31st out of 32 conferences, but they beat James Madison, beat George Mason, got a ton of experience and a deep bench. Uh, I worry about App having 10 days off, losing three times to number 305 Troy. Make it very difficult to take them. I will take Norfolk. You, know, you look at App, they're an under 500 team in the Sun Belt. Don't have an offense or play fast enough to run away from anybody. I like Norfolk. Okay, so this line is two and a half, App State. You like it as in it may be a bet? I like it as in it may be a bet. 
but I have a little bit of a difficult time putting a whole lot of money on schools from the MEAC and the Sun Belt. Now, that's interesting. So in general, the because the when I was coming up in college football, for example, they had the Ivy Leagues were on the main rotation. And, you know, this was, you probably remember this, Dave, is, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, when I was batting in high school or whatever, and then into college, I bet a ton on the Ivy Leagues because it's the old concept of not being bet as much, sharps aren't as involved in it. I thought the lines were looser. Well, I would agree with you on the Ivy League. I, th I think the Ivy League is just, for me, a lot more predictable. Well, first off, it's kind of fun just to say, yak, right? I mean, but in general, do you, you find the smaller college basketball conferences more difficult or to, to win with or specific conferences? What's your experience? With I, I think I break it down even further into teams. I mean, there's teams that you kind of know what you're going to get from almost every night. And there's teams that you just don't know what you're going to get from every night. And I think that's just more prevalent in the smaller conferences. So we're talking about variance exactly. in, in effort and such. Exactly. Okay. And so you're saying doesn't matter if it's the ACC, doesn't matter if it's the MEAC, there's some teams that you get a feel for and are consistent and some aren't. I agree. And do you think in the MEAC there's more or less consistency overall? I think there's less, and I also think it's a conference I don't follow enough to feel yeah. really confident. AJ, what's your thoughts on – because both you guys are grinders. Do, do you spend a lot of time in the small conferences? I spend more time in the small conferences because it's soft. You think uh, your lines are lines are softer than they are on, on an ACC or North Carolina Duke game. You're gonna it's gonna be a lot easier doing Norfolk versus James Madison. Uh, you're, you're gonna you're gonna get less. I mean, obviously you, on those extra games you can get less money down, but unless you're betting thousands of dollars a game, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. I've often said is lower limits are great if the lower limits are high enough for you. Yep. Right? It's just the problem starts is when the limits are too low. If you're trying to bet $20,000 on or, a MEAC game, you're not going to get it down. But, but even if you're trying to bet 1000 on a WNBA game, you can't. can't get it down. So it's all about are you going to get your crack, as I like to say. Dave, do you think if – and it's complicated, right? Because if you're a public handicapper like you are and one of the real luminaries, and I think it's fair to say a pregame and one of the veterans uh, as a pick uh, you know, information provider – you, you're naturally going to have a bias towards the high-interest leagues, the high-interest sports, right? Because you, you want to win, and you – I mean, anyone listening to this pod knows you, your picks every week and the Diamond Dave versus Uncle Dave debate. But do you think you could make – if I said just pick one conference in college basketball and every game you're above 500, I'm going to give you $100,000. So it's some you know, great motivation. Would you focus on a small conference or a big conference? A small conference. I, mean, I, I agree with AJ. For me, it's just a really a matter of time. Yes. I mean, there's 347 uh, or 52 makes, teams. And, yeah. You know. So we all agree the lower the liquidity, the, the, the less bet a league is, the more chance there is to beat the lines. Sure. Okay. Now, next question is, this is a rare case where teams are playing each other. Like, Gonzaga is not going to play. Well, maybe Gonzaga might. But Duke, typically in a competitive game, isn't going to play a Norfolk State, an App State. What are the general rules of handicapping the, the, the Davids against the Goliaths? Is it a situation where if, like, my first thought would be if the big team is physically big inside – that's something that maybe they can't, you know, against a Ralph Sampson or whatever back in the day, a real small school is going to really struggle. Where if it's an outside shooting team, yeah, they're better than them, but you could see a day they're not hitting, but you can slam every time over a small, you know. 
is what's the general rules on David versus Goliath in the tournament? Some of these, like Baylor Hartford, is a good example. Baylor's a team that's super athletic. There's bodies on Baylor, six foot nine guys that can move. You're never going to see those in these smaller conferences, much less five or six of them on one team. That those teams, that's they're, they tend to get blown out. Uh, but there's a lot of these schools that have, if you know, if you're not a special athletic team, if it's a matter of our shooters versus your shooters, a lot of the times it's easier for those smaller schools to hang because every school can get guys who can shoot. Not every school can get six foot nine guys who can who can fly. Like that, that's just the, that's the rare thing. It, an ability to get rare athletes. So in a way, we're asking when do the better teams dominate? And they dominate if they have a physical dominance that just can't be overcome. If it's about execution, about shooting, about other things, yeah, the better team's going to win most of the time, but you can see a path to the lesser team winning. That's why teams like Davidson and Belmont are always in the conversation for, oh, this team could upset them because they're well-coached teams, they're they're good shooters, they, they do all the little things you're supposed to do, they play sharp basketball, they can hang with with some schools. But if they're playing a team that's just dominant physically, they struggle too. Arkansas Colgate is a good example. Two teams that are very similar in styles. Arkansas just has way better athletes. That's a bad matchup for the dog, in my opinion. Same question to you, Dave, and then we'll get into the games uh, beyond what we just did. Is Do you agree about the whole dominance question, or do you have another angle on it? Are, are you talking about against the spread? I'm talking about just general performance, right? Yeah, I, I think this tournament for me it's different because a lot of these teams that are dominant are going to play again in two days. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, there's the there's the, the there's the ability to blow someone out. Then there's the desire to blow someone out, and I don't know that a lot of these big teams have the desire to blow teams out. Especially, you know, AJ mentioned Colgate, a team that plays really quick. They're going to tire out Arkansas for 40 minutes. At some point, somehow. So I think Arkansas, if they had that huge lead, they would tend to more rest, I think, people than maybe if it was a close game and a sluggish game. So let's be explicit about this. What Dave's talking about when it comes to first game versus second game is when you have a turnaround as a winning team in 48 hours, if you're up by 12, let's say you're a 17-point favorite, or let's say you're up 15, you're a 20-point favorite, and there's two and a half minutes left, Maybe if you get five days off, you got your starters in there, stretching their legs, run it up. Here, it's like, slow, take the air out of the ball, let's get out of here with the win, fall short of the cover, but my guys aren't as tired, maybe some of the starters on the bench, but if it's the second game, there's rest for the next game isn't the issue. Is that a fair way to say it? 100% correct. Okay, so you've got your pick on the first game, which is? Norfolk State. What do you got on that game? I probably lean the other way. Uh, the sun- now remember, guys, let's get something straight. You're, you know, you're looking for a green button. The green button. You guys can. What we do here. Now we can come up with a different bet, but when you both like a game, you can auto. You can bet by doing this. And we, what we typically do is a three hundred dollar bet. If you, if it's a little steep for you guys, we can make it two. You know, but people love it. So do you want to bet them? Uh, no, I don't have. I don't feel good about this oh. game either. I don't so think he feels great about deal? this game. No, he says he's betting it. Oh well, let him bet it. Well, I okay. didn't. I didn't say I bet it with a whole lot of conviction. That is my pick. I am going to bet it, but there's exactly. a difference between 
Well, which means, by the way, when we bet with the Green Bay, I mean, let's go. What, let's get to our seven games when we have a little bit more don't confidence. Worry, don't worry. Don't be scared. I'm, Here, I'm not. Here's the thing about the seven or about the uh, Green Button. It's no vig. I do like that. Yeah. So it's like, why not? If you even think it's fifty-one percent. But I all I'm saying is, you notice when he wants to use the Green Button, he's not giving picks. Well, l- listen. Yeah. You d- play the game. You. Let me think about this. (laughs) What I should teach the audience is that in a sport that you're way overmatched, you should just bat. Okay. No, that's I teach you the opposite of that. But what I'll say is you came in kind of hot. You're like, well, I like the other side. And and I I was giving you a chance to put your money. I'm pretty sure I said I lean the other way. Yeah, you did. Go ahead. ahead. (laughs) Uh, Mostly because the Sun Belt's just a much better conference than the MEAC. Sunbelt's the 20th best conference, according to Ken Palm. Sunbelt's normally not a, a conference that's doing play-in games. App State just had sort of a magical run through the tourney. They won four, game, four games, four days, including wins over the top three teams in that conference. Uh, Norfolk is interesting because they create offense off of turnovers. They don't really have another way to create offense. It's all off of turnovers. Uh, they're going to zone a lot, which... So would you say the point guard for the opposing team is vital? The ball handling in general? I would say so, yeah. But App State, has they're poor against zones, but it's in a small sample size. They've got at least three ball handlers on the floor pretty much all the time. Uh, and we saw in the tournament they can get hot from outside, so they can beat a zone if it happens. Uh, Norfolk is a really, really, for their level, I guess everything is relative here, they're an elite offensive rebounding team for their level. Uh, and because of that, the aforementioned lack of size, App State is not going to rebound that well in this game. That's one of the things that concerns me. A lot of it's also about pace. Norfolk's want they're going to want this game to go fast. App State's going to want to slow this down, make it a half court game. Uh, and really, it's just it's, this is going to come down to a matter of who hits shots from outside. Uh, so, they've got- so, so let me do this. Whenever you're going to go first, Dave, then he'll be able to respond to you and say his own piece. We're always going to give you a quick a retort. A retort, but please feel no need to retort unless because obviously you guys got massive knowledge. We want to get through. Feel no need to retort unless you got a true retort. So uh, wrapping up. Yeah, I, I I just trust the team with the more uh, the the upperclassmen laden backcourt to make shots over the team that's that's younger and, and All right, less experienced. So we got a pick on Norfolk. No Norford. Is this one of your Norfolk. seven? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. He just, he's saying, I like this baby. Okay. And AJ says, I lean the other way, but I don't want to bet. Any closing thoughts on it? No, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a playing game. It's a, it's a, you know, it's close it's to a pick. What is it? Minus two, minus two and, two and a half. half. Two and a half. I mean, it's, it's a coin flip game. But you're betting I like a North. coin flip? Well, it's a coin flip game. I might that. want to bet against you. Well, then, then push the take apps. I don't push believe, the I don't believe, I don't believe it's no big. Push it's a the coin button. flip. Next game. Drake Wichita is the, the play-in game today. So let's talk about that. Uh, Dave. No line yet. Well, I guess on the – okay. So what's the line? What do we got? A, oh, uh, it's Pickham on the, the Drake Wichita. Oh, excellent. Esler. Yeah, I think it's trendy to take Wake. And I look at Wichita. They'd won eight straight, including beating A.J.'s Cougars before running into Cincinnati. So I can't discount them. The early money – came all in on Drake, and there was like little or no line movement. If anything, it went to the Shockers. And before I got a little too far into this, I mean, I thought this could be where losing Hemphill and Thomas finally pays dividends for the opposing team, but I read this morning where Hemphill's trending towards playing for Drake. So, you know, now you got Drake again. You got rest or rust with 11 days off. 
but I'm not going to overlook that. I don't think Hempel will be in game shape. So I think I'm going to take the Shockers with Gilbert being a senior point guard, and I think Wichita just has a deeper bench. Okay, so this is a lean, not but not a bat. Correct. What you got, AJ? I, I lean the opposite way. Uh, it, Drake was 77% ATS this year, best team in the country, uh, and it, it, they – They've had some really. Does that make you want to bet them or bet against them? Uh, well, it's funny. It, normally, it would make me want to bet against them, but they're seventy-seven percent against the spread, and they've had brutal injuries at the top of their lineup. Roman Penn. But in theory, the spread accounts for that. Uh, in theory, you're, you're right. Uh, Roman Penn was is one of the best mid-major players in the country. Done for the year. He was made. Cam Crutwell was probably going to win the MVC Player of the Year. He was probably going to be second. Uh, Tank Hempill, who he mentioned, hasn't played since February tenth. But, but but again, these are all things that fish and market should handle, right? They should. Uh, so why are you sharing it with us? Stuff that's building into the line. Well, then I won't share any information. No, I, 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 say, want, I like Drake. I want you. There you go. I like Drake. That's not built into the line. All, I'm, I, I'm trying to give some information. That's all right. No, 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 no. I'm all. I, I'm I'm not bald by I'm trying to be serious. Is to me, what's always fascinating is if you said that so-and-so has been out and since then the ATS, the line hasn't caught up, and here's why he's more valuable than we think. Like, is there anything that isn't as obvious? I yes. Uh, Joe Yusefu, who filled his filled in since Penn went down, he's not the creator that Penn was. Penn, the point guard, was a, a pass-first guy. He made everyone better. Yusefu is different. Uh, he has been a problem on dribble drive stuff. They're totally different now. Their offense is run different now. Yusef, who's doing a lot of scoring from the point guard position. So while the drop-off is, you know, in name value is there, they've just changed the way they play. And, and it hinders them. Uh, uh, it doesn't hinder them. They've, oh. actually, they've continued oh. to succeed against the okay. spread. Wichita struggles against the press, which is something that Drake's done a lot this year. Uh, even more when Hemp Hill was in. So him being back helps in, in that way. Wichita's not a great shooting team. They're they're downright poor around the basket. They're good on defense, not great. You mentioned the UH game, and which if they wouldn't have won that UH game, they wouldn't be in the tournament. They just wouldn't be. They have a great win. That win over UH probably should have never happened. Houston was totally frozen at the time. Houston had every every right to say, you know what, we're not going to play that game. Frozen. The city. Oh, oh. This the is city the, was frozen. Okay, this is the, no, the people were without there. power. Pipes were burst. Houston should have absolutely said, eh, we're not going to play this game. Instead, they flew to Wichita after being without power for two days and got beat by a team that had no business beating them. I just don't believe in this Wichita team. I don't think they're a tournament caliber team. So speaking of uh, that weather. Do you despise or do you hate Ted Cruz? I love Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great guy. <laughs> All right. Michigan State, UCLA. Uh, line is, uh, what do we got here, McKenzie? Minus two, one, I believe. One and a half. I think it was down to. I saw that a little earlier. It looked- so short number. Favorite, the favorite is? Sparty. Okay. Dave. Yeah, I. I- when this line first came out, it ticked to Sparty, and I just think that has to be the Izzo factor. But I, I don't love this team. As I said a little bit ago, their only conference wins that weren't at home were Indiana and Nebraska. I misspoke earlier. They looked bad against Maryland in a game that they, they really kind of needed to win. Then I look at UCLA. They were 4-6 they were and six after they lost Jalen Hill, and they beat the teams they should beat. 
They didn't beat anyone good that wasn't named Arizona. I don't think Arizona is that good. Uh, they they just don't play Mick Cronin defense. I think Sparty has a sizable length advantage. So I think as long as they don't get enamored with the three ball, I think I'll drink the Izzo Kool Aid here and 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 like Michigan. So do you guys? Open question. Do you believe Izzo has an edge in the tournament? I believe Izzo has an edge over Mick Cronin in the tournament. Okay, but in general, this Izzo and Michigan State's performance, you think it's legitimately he uh, better than expected in the past and that it's something that persists, that there's an edge there? I think that it, it, he's a, a good example of a guy who we still talk about him like he won a championship five years ago. And it's been a lot longer since Michigan State won a national championship than – than you would probably think. So, uh, it, for me, it's there. There is sort of an aura about these guys, but he hasn't won a championship in since two thousand. What's he got? One championship? Uh, yeah, one championship in the year two thousand. I mean, now he's had some Final Fours, but I I don't look at him like he's Coach K or something where this guy just I, I, I always gets the job done. And when I said sort of the Izzo factor, I meant initially, and that was kind of like the the market was reacting to the betting fa- the, the Izzo. I think in reality, I'm with you. I think I think a lot of the luster's gone. But is the only way to major a team in championships? Well, I mean, Izzo's been to four, seven Final Fours well, or whatever it is. Through, he mean, went through a stretch where I think every every kid that had stayed there four years, yeah, for decades, had been in a Final Four. But if we're talking about guys that we just trust this guy in March, I, I don't know if he's that. Is it because, he, I mean, the game passed him by? or No, I don't think the game passed him by. I, I think that uh, – I, I, I really don't know what it is. I, I definitely don't think the game's passed him by. I just don't think he's getting the same – especially this could team it, it doesn't be, have the same kind of talent that he's had in the past. But that would be accounted for in the line. The theory sure. is, is there an Izzo factor? Because Dave said it derisively in a way, but I'm saying isn't it legitimate? Well, or it, it's accounted for in their record. They're 15 and 12. They're they're not as good as they've been, certainly. So if this was a blind resume, what would the line be in this game? If we didn't know yeah. Michigan State and, and UCLA yeah. were the two teams yeah. here? Blind resume. It, no, UCLA three? Do I, still, do I still know that Michigan, that, that Team Michigan State played in the Big Ten? Yes. Uh, it, it, the number's probably about right. So there is no Izzo factor then? No. But there should be. Uh, let me ask you A this. slight one, maybe. Do you know enough about yourself to know you're a contrarian? Would you agree? Yeah. Do you think maybe it's caused people talk about it? You want to denounce it? You uh, want... Yeah, there's, there's times where I find myself in, falling into that. Because it feels like that if we did a study and said, based on your seed, it tells you how far you should advance, right? Yeah. So, if, you know, so the question becomes, how many games has Izzo won in the tournament that he shouldn't have won. How how much has he exceeded wins? And I'm betting it's like five, six, seven, eight wins. I do okay. think there is something to uh, Tom Izzo has had very few teams that looked this bad for an entire season. So you just assume he'll figure something out. He'll get his guys playing better down the stretch. I expected them to be playing better now than they were earlier in the season. So I guess that that Izzo factor does exist in that there's no way they're going to continue to be this poor. We're going to talk about Gonzaga now. Okay. So now here's a, a big surprise, and I mean big surprise. In fact, AJ told me to play this. I mean, it's kind of weird. Oh, boy. What? Yeah. And, and Why do you lie to your audience? <laughs> well, when I do, they know I'm lying <laughs> because it's so funny. 
you know what's funny? I've actually got when we last year, or I guess it was two years ago, man. It's, it's hard to imagine that we missed the tournament last year, but obviously we did. But um, you know, you were doing uh, you know a few ten minute kind of hits on college basketball mm-hmm. with us. And at one point when I introduced him, this was like one of the first times that I uh, introduced him. I played this as his intro song, which I thought was really funny. Guitarist and founder of English rock band Led Zeppelin. <laughs> but that's a lie. That's the point. I was never in Led Zeppelin. That, but, he, <laughs> but a lot of people might believe that. Now here isn't a lie. A.J. Hoffman? The wickedest man in the world. <laughs> I don't think I'm even the wickedest man at this table. <laughs> you might be third. <laughs> <All right. laughs> hey, Diamond Dave. Okay. I was surprised when you said, I like Gonzaga to win it. And I think that I'd even think there's value on plus 200, which is the current market. Make your case. They are a historically great half-court offense and and probably just as good, if almost just as good in transition. Uh, they've got a, a point guard in Jalen Suggs. It's going to be a top five pick. Obviously, everybody knows him. He's the first five star recruit Gonzaga's ever had, which is something that you know Gonzaga's had. A, they've had a lot of success. They've never had elite level talent until now. I, I think that's something that's going to separate them. He's he's an, uh, an excellent floor leader. There, he's elite in pick and roll. Like there's nobody better in the country pick and roll than Jalen Suggs. And then Kispert does great job floor spacing. Uh, he's a matchup for for any team that doesn't have elite-level athleticism. And then Timmy's a dominant post player on offense. Even their role players, Ayayi, Nimhard, these are guys who would be frontline players for other teams. Their defense has some holes, mostly they, like they don't have a real rim protector, uh, but their offense is just so great that it covers all of that up. It has all season. The last two seasons, you know, we were looking through all of all, everything Gonzaga's done and uh, in the, the one-loss seasons and things like that, that they had one in 2017. They lost one game. But it, it, the last two seasons are probably the best teams that they've ever had. This team is better than both of those teams. I would have had Gonzaga winning the tournament a year ago had the tournament happened. This team is even better than that team. I, I just think this is a very special team. And – You also have talked about how the main competitors, the second tier, let's say, given Gonzaga its own position in the first tier, have fallen off. That Recently, they've been downgraded in your mind. Yeah, Michigan, uh, losing Isaiah Livers, that's that's a huge drop-off for Michigan. Baylor, clearly not the same team post-COVID. Those teams falling off while Gonzaga is staying strong. The other thing that I like about Gonzaga is their their region – Kansas, Iowa, Virginia, though that's the the two, three, four. I guess it's Iowa, Kansas, Virginia's two, three, four. All teams that Gonzaga's already beat this year and beat by double digits. They they've got the easiest road to the final four. All right. Who do you agree that uh the odds right now, Gonzaga's two to one, Baylor's six to one, Illinois is in the same range, and Michigan's eight to one, and then Iowa's the fifth favorite. Obviously, if one's two to one and one's six to one, they're supposed to win it. And even if you think they're kind of overrated majorly, you still would take them at even money to win the tournament. So, Dave, I'm going to ask you the question a different way. If I gave you a hundred dollar free roll and said bet someone to win the tournament, who do you bet? Well, well, I can't disagree with anything AJ said. I'm, I'm going to. Do you think there's value on Gonzaga two to one? I no. Okay. So you like them more than 
you think that they're, they're going to win the tournament like 40% of the time? I do. And you think less than a third of the time? Well, I got to downgrade it for playing in the West Coast Conference. You know, I look at the history, and I would, I would, I, I, I'm totally behind AJ and that they have elite talent and more than anybody. But I still have to go, go with the history. You know, they've been to this altar before, uh, and they haven't gotten it done. Uh, can they? So let's, should let's should talk, they be the favorite? Yes, I think they should. Let's uh, talk history here. So we did a McKenzie pregame.com research. We said let's take a gander at number one seeds if they're from the Power Six, which we, we include the Big East, versus not. So this is going back to 2000. Some would call this this century. And you know, it was ridiculous. Some. Yeah. Well, it, it, back in 2006, it didn't make sense. Now it kind of does, right? Is here's the number one seeds that were not from a Power Six. 2019 Gonzaga, 2017 Gonzaga, 2014 the undefeated Wichita State, 13 Gonzaga, 08 Memphis, 06 Memphis, 04 St. Joe's. I don't really remember that. 02 St. Joe's had uh, Delonte West mm-hmm. and uh, Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson, yeah, it was a very good team. No, oh, yeah, I was. I mean, number one seed, <laughs> and then finally Cincinnati in 2002. Okay, so we said, how far do those teams go? Typically, they're all number one seeds. Versus the Power Six. These are the number of wins the teams generated. Um, so six wins means you won the title, obviously. So Gonzaga, three wins. Gonzaga, five wins. Made it to the finals. So Elite Eight. Maybe I'll say it this way. Made it to the Elite Eight. Lost in the finals, Gonzaga. Wichita State, round of 32, the famous game against Kentucky. Gonzaga in, in 13. They lost in the round of 32. Memphis lost in the finals. Memphis the other time in 06, Elite Eight. St. Joe's in 04, Elite Eight. Don't remember that team. Cincinnati in 02, round of 32. So if you do math and simply say, well, what's the average advancement? The non-Power 6 advancement on average was 2.75 wins. The Power 6 number one seeds was 3.3 wins. So about half an extra round. So they underperformed the non-Power 6. But here is the kind of the kicker. Gonzaga, by advancing to three wins, five wins, and one win, you add that up, it's nine divided by three. They advance three rounds, which is obviously also less. But if you look at Gonzaga in the last six years, you say, like, this iteration of the team, by eight combined advancing rounds in two years puts them above any conference. Now, obviously, it's a small sample size because if you actually look at the conferences, here's the number of wins. ACC, 3.7. Big 10, 3.7. Exactly the same. Big 12, 3.2. Big East, 2.8. And then the Pac-12, 2.3. And then the SEC, 3.85. So actually, the SEC, number one, ACC, number two, Big Ten, all clustered. Pac-12, way behind. And if you think about it, the the Pac-12 is even worse than the non-Power Six. And the Big East is about the same as the non-Power Six. So my takeaways is Pac-12 doesn't do well in the tournament. No. And why is that? I, I, the Pac-12 is barely hanging on as a Power Six conference. And, and I mean, it seems like that's kind of the case in football too. Kind of does, yeah. 
I mean, they st they still have U USC, so they'll always be somewhat relevant. But well, you being a radical leftist, you probably like the the Pac-12 and the yes, uh, the, the hairy armpit girls. Yeah, that's my that's the best. I don't objectify people, but okay, I do. It, well, yeah, that's why your liberalism is confusing to me. Like when you're screaming, I'm not a liberal. I've got 27 guns. It, it, what was the number? 22. 22. 22. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You are confusing. I, I, <laughs> so any other thoughts on a lot of good data there? Mackenzie did a good job. What do you think? One of the things I, w I would retort to what Dave said about being the West Coast Conference, and it's true. They don't, I mean, obviously they're not as tested during the season as, as an ACC team. But playing Kansas, Auburn, Iowa, Virginia, West Virginia. So out of conference. Out of conference. They played such a difficult out of conference schedule this season that I think they've already proven themselves that they can hang with these teams. And everybody says, well, uh, you know, all these Big Ten teams, they beat each other up. Gonzaga hasn't had to do that. Gonzaga, they've been. Mm -hmm. So that's the debate. Would you rather play some tough games and otherwise it'd be like intramural kind of play and say you're rested? Or would you be like the old Temple, John Chaney approach, which was... If, if I hadn't already seen Gonzaga blow the doors off Virginia, blow the doors but off Kansas and Auburn... That, but remember, the question isn't how good Gonzaga is. The question is, would they be better suited to win this tournament if they had three losses and played a monster schedule? I don't think so. But you think yes? I do. I think yes. I mean, I, I go back to I don't disagree with AJ. I just don't find the real value in two to one. Yeah, but you disagree with AJ that you think their lack of competition game in and game out hurts them. It doesn't help. Well, he thinks it helps. He thinks they're rested. Less stress, right? I mean, I, I see both sides. Well, and and if, if I mean, hell, the, the most important game they've played this year was the last game, the conference championship game against BYU. They beat them by double digits, and, and they were down 10 at half. They tried to coast. They said, okay, let's turn it on. Like that, To me, that tells me that they've still got that, they've got that gear if they want it. If they want it. But see, the thing to me is you said it; they were down 10 at the half. And I, I would have thought they wouldn't have put themselves in that position in that game. Do you think that they'll put themselves in that position in a tournament game that really matters? No, I think the, Gonzaga I think the doesn't care is, about banners hanging the, for I, WCC I, championships. I think the likelihood's less, but I wouldn't say it won't happen. So it segues to another question. Does the fact that Gonzaga's undefeated hurt them? Now, we had this debate earlier. Here's Let's admit the following so we can save the debate. If you lose a game, it's a sign that you got beat. You were outscored, which is, can't, is a bad thing for a team. You'd rather win that game because it would tell you something about the team. We want to remove away the whole if Gonzaga had lost a game, it would have said something about them because – what was the closest game they were going to lose? They could have West lost. Virginia. And what was the final? Uh, it was 87-82. Okay. The only single-digit yeah, game they played all year. So if a couple shots had fallen differently, they lose that game. Those couple shots don't tell you much about the team. So do you believe if Gonzaga had missed two additional threes that game and lost, would they have a better chance to win the tournament? Because those two threes don't tell you anything about the team. It's like a field goal. Like when Scott Norwood missed, you know, that field goal against the Giants, it, wasn't, it didn't make the Bills worse or the Giants better. It was like when you have a last play that's a 50-50, it's kind of the definition of a coin flip, right? So I get it. If they get beat by 30, it's a sign that they're fundamentally not as good because they lost the game. Do you believe if that wasn't the case but they had a loss, 
for example, against West Virginia, that the Latin, the theory here is that zero, that being the first team since Indiana, can be an albatross like it was for the Patriots. I don't believe in that. I mean, I, I don't think it would matter. I don't think it would make them any less of a team had they do lost. Do you think it affected the Patriots? I do. So you do believe it? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I don't, I don't know what I think about it. I, all I know is— I'm admitting it's the first time. <laughs> well, yeah. But you mentioned that, that West Virginia game, and you say, well, two more threes, it could have been a different game. Also, that game was a nine-point game with under a minute left. Oh, no, no. And so, I, wasn't, I wasn't saying that. To, all I'm saying is you're right because when we debated this earlier, you were like, well, if you lose a game, it tells you something about the team. I'd rather not know. And I'm saying admittingly. but I just don't think it gives you – it doesn't give you an edge to have lost a game. I don't the believe The theory that. is it removes a negative that having that zero puts extra pressure on you. And if, if it gets to be late, it's a tight game with two minutes left, they're going to feel more pressure because they're one game or two games away from beating the Indiana record from 45 years, more if, than four decades ago. If Gonzaga ha- had lost to West Virginia, they would still be the favorites to win the title? Yeah. When you're the favorites, the pressure's always on you to win anyway. But there's additional pressure. There's pressure in the Super Bowl always, but the Patriots had additional. You, Dave, you're a Patriots uh, you know, where you're a hardcore fan, you grew up in the Boston area, you think that affected that team, right? I was at that game. And you were at the, at, I mean, you know, I think, I think in that game, that was a case of, I think it was Michael Strahan said before the game that the Patriots are only going to score 14 points, and Brady's retort was almost, he about laughed, like, really? And I think that kind of showed where the Patriots' heads were at. And in AJ's defense, I don't think being undefeated hurts them because it's Gonzaga. I think if it were Illinois or Michigan or a team with a whole lot more national media attention than Gonzaga, then Michigan or Illinois would hear about it day in and day out. And Kentucky heard about I don't, it when they lost. Exactly. Recently. I don't think Gonzaga hears about it. They but may hear about they're, it they're later. Gonna, it might not have heard them so far, but once they get to the Final Four, they're going to hear about it. True, but I think if it was another team, they would have already heard about it and maybe for the last week. And maybe inoculated against it. Possible. I don't know. Well, that second shot isn't that bad. <laughs> All right. Last question. Oh, speaking of that, you know, here's the thing. Is Gonzaga a blue blood or are they a non-power six? Because they're both. But at this point, if we stack rank, like if there's a kid who's 18 years old, stay in school. Do they? Where do they rank Gonzaga? You know, let's say they're cognizant of five, six years of basketball. Isn't Gonzaga right there with Duke? Like, like what's the list of the? If you have a six, seven-year horizon, looking backward, the, the worst record Gonzaga's had in the last six years is twenty-eight and eight. They're a blue blood. I mean, they they are now I mean, they're, on well, the I, national, they're, they're on the national game a lot. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe like they're not blue blood yet because, because they haven't won a championship. And I guess you have to win a championship to be blue blood. But they're definitely in that top tier, which is why they're getting kids like Jalen Suggs now that they never would have gotten before. This isn't the topic of this pod, but you guys can probably answer in 30 seconds each if you both have feedback. How has Gonzaga done this? Because I know success breeds success. So obviously, but you've seen a lot of schools get to where Gonzaga was five years ago, which was knocking on the door. Sometimes they get in, but they never, this step to become. Boise State did this a little bit in football, where you actually transcend your conference. UNLV did it. How did they do it? They found a special coach that wants to be there. Mark Few doesn't want to. He doesn't want to take another job, uh, and I think that that happened with Boise for some time. Think about Brad Underwood at Stephen F. Austin a few years ago had a had a ton of success. 
And, they, man, everybody was excited. And then Illinois called and said, hey, you want this job? Well, he can't say no to that. Mark View has been at Gonzaga since 2000. He's lost 30 conference games since the year 2000. He could have any job he wants. He doesn't want any other job. He wants to be there at Gonzaga, uh-huh. and he's got a great system. He's built this so system, what you're and saying, yeah. as the system's gotten better, he's been able to add talent. And once you have a great system, and then you start to add in great talent, that's when you become what Gonzaga is. So what you're saying is, if Stevens would have stayed at Butler, Butler could be this today. Absolutely. Wow, that's interesting. Because Tark stayed at UNLV, and they did maintain. You know, remember UNLV made the Final Four, I think, in like '77 and '84. I mean, they had success prior to that run at the end of Tark's time. What do you think, Dave? I I just jump on what AJ said. It's Mark Few. And I think kids want to go play for Mark Few. And I don't think, like, if you take Duke, kids want to go play for Coach K. They don't want to go play for Duke. And I think that's now the case with, with Gonzaga. Wow. Few was uh, – McKenzie just popped on the screen. Uh, assistant with Gonzaga from 89 to 2000 and head coach. I don't – I'm embarrassed to say I don't know this. What, what, it's north. It's is it Northern California? Oh, it's, it's Spokane, Washington. Well, okay, Washington. So it's up there. Spokane. So that's kind of a hippie community, right? <laughs> Here I, we go. I, I've never yeah. been there, but it's. I think it's like Central Washington. Okay. Only thing I know about what you know anything about that area, Mackenzie? I do not. Nope. They don't like your kind up there, do they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like a radical, a Yale-educated liberal, they love his kind. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Isn't it? <laughs> I got a feel you wouldn't get a welcome at the door, but I, I've never been there. I don't know. I mean, I guess the players are out there. I don't know. Only thing I know about Washington is Tom Robbins' books. Have you ever read Tom Robbins? No. He had a he had a book called Still Life with Woodpecker. It's a pretty famous book. But he was like this counterculture writer that was kind of a hit, but everyone, oh, even the cowgirls get the blues, which ended up being a movie with Uma Thurman. He wrote that book. Um, and actually, uh, Still Life with Woodpecker is a book about like an anarchist that blows things up. I mean, it's, you know, edgy stuff, but um, he was from that area. It seems like it was a real political, like it's not only, you know, hippy dippy, but it's usually like love of the earth. And obviously that there's a lot of, uh, I actually think Spokane is pretty like rural, I, I mean, Seattle is certainly what you're yeah. talking about, but I think that. Like, no, but I'm, what I'm saying is it's not rural, like a bunch of working class people. I'm not saying there's none, but I'm saying there's a lot of like people escape the city and they're building like communes and stuff. So my wife is from the Pacific Northwest. She's okay. from Oregon. Uh-huh. And Portland is obviously, that's where most of the population in, in Oregon is. Everybody thinks of Oregon as this very liberal state when really outside of Portland, the well, whole Pennsylvania is like the whole state is is red because they're they're just simple people who live out on you know on farms or in the mountains or whatever. And your wife was from the farms, or well, she lived in the mountains. She lived in the. In the <laughs> she's a mountain. Woman. She's a mountain woman. Yeah. <laughs> now, so she wasn't part of the sit-in or or the uh, no, takeover. The no, that's over the mountains. Did you send them money directly? How did I you did. support that? I did. Zell. <laughs> <laughs> Do me a favor, Mackenzie. Put. Uh, pop up the Spokane Wikipedia, and sure. I want you to read it and give me three important points. <laughs> All right, so take your time. Non-Gonzaga-related points. No, don't, listen, I don't try to dictate to talent. Let him do what he oh, wants okay. to do. Right. I know you boss that way as the head of your station. Oh. Do, you, do they have to call you Mr. Hoffman? Sir, it's just good. Uh-huh. All right. A lot of questions. Here's the last one on Gonzaga. 
and we talked about this, and I think the answer is somewhat surprising. AJ, if I wanted to make a bet with you for $5,000, I know that would scare you, but let's say a real bet, and I say I get two teams, you get Gonzaga, would you give me that bet? Even money? Even money. Yeah. Wow. And every, every other team is a, a, a push. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Dave, if you Dave Essel, if you had to take one side or the other of that bet, what would you take? That's a tough one. So it's the, it's the right number is what you're saying. It is. Now, the math says that you need to get plus 135 with the two teams to even it up based on the odds. It's funny about because six weeks ago, the big talk was Gonzaga and Baylor versus the field, mm-hmm. and that was around even money. And, and Baylor's sort of – their stock has dropped to the point Still where the second favorite, but six to one. Now. Right. But now to where it's, you know, you get two teams uh, 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 or you get Gonzaga, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's, it's really a good, it's a good bet. It's a fun. It certainly is a fun bet. Like you called it earlier. It's a good bar bet. Yeah. And so not $5,000. Wow. Well, it matters if, if I've, you know, pool game, you never know. I'm not an RJ's weight class. <laughs> like when it, when well, it I mean, to- at, at almost 300 pounds, you're right. Two fifty. RJ's still wearing the same shirts he wore when he was three hundred pounds. That's the. Uh, I was never three. I was, I was. You were never three. That's that's the God, empire. I was never. I, mean, I, I I tell you this. That feels like the empire. You were never three back. only because you have skinny legs. Well, it's true. I very <laughs> shapely. I think is the way to say. It. But um, here's what I would say. I did have an epiphany. Actually, is I was getting. I don't know. There was some kind of opportunity on. Uh, you know, it was a TV hit or something, and I needed to go get a dress shirt, right? And I went, and, you know, I was always, you know, as a kid in Sears, my mom used to take me to the Husky section. Oh, She said, you're big bone. I don't think they call kids Husky anymore. I don't think they call, like, uh, label clothes Husky. Is that allowed? I think, yeah, I think that cancer culture's gotten that. You can't say Husky? Yeah. How about big boned? Yeah, that's all right. Healthy, thick. <laughs> I never heard that. But something about a snicker. I don't know. But here's what I would. Here's what I would say is, I you know I was always the kid who like wasn't. I I was like not super anxious to be skins. But I look back and I'm like, God, you know, any adult or almost any adult would be like that has any belly is going to be like, boy, that doesn't like. I thought I was fat, but looking back, it was like. I had like maybe like eight extra pounds on. Like I was a kid, right. you know. And you, as a kid, you feel that, right? It's like you think I would have just ate one less plate of pasta, but I, you know, it's delicious. I loved it. Lasagna, ooh, smelt. You ever have smelt? No. Mm-hmm. What are you're very uh, white bread? Would that be a fair way to say? It? My last name's Hoffman. <laughs> So, what well, I don't even know. What does that mean? Like, it's just a very German last name. I don't. Oh, okay. I, I don't think I've ever met a black guy with the last name Hoffman. Is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Huh. Stringer I Bell. Don't see, I don't see color. But um, <laughs> <laughs> as Fez would say, as, as Fez would say, you guys lost me. I'm still trying to tie this to Gonzaga. Well, I'm bringing it all back around. All right. Here. Well, no, he's the one that again. I don't think AJ's ever like when I just have been battering him left and right as he's come at me. I think he just feels a need to keep striking and like he's bringing something I was talking about. There's wait. no quit in me. <laughs> What's that from? I don't know. I just made it up. <laughs> that sounded interesting. That what that reminded me of is there's a scene in Rocky Two that I don't remember and I don't know if it's an outcut or but it's on YouTube where they're talking about Rocky wanting the rematch or not in Apollo Creed. 
and uh, Creed's uh, in the uh, Duke, I think his name was, went to he was by he went to he, he went to um, Creed and says, um, goes, I don't think you want this fight. And he goes, what do you mean? Like he couldn't fathom it. He goes, you almost put the man in the hospital. You know, he goes, and he kept coming at you. He goes, you don't want to fight a man like that. <laughs> it was like a great line. And I don't know if it's an outtake or what, because I think I would have remembered it. But it reminded me of what you said. Well, there you go. Anyway, make a long story short. I got to the point where XLs weren't, and I was about 235, you know, 5'11", you know, so it was like big. And not, I wasn't jacked, right? It was, you know, belly. And I'm thinking, if I can't fit an XL, I was on the border, I'm like, now what? Because I was not going to the big and tall. Oh, that's the worst. You got to put I, a DXL or something. I mean, you know, but I mean. I just, I wear an XL. Oh, come on. For XL? Yeah. Oh, I guess it, it kind of looks like a scuba suit. So, okay. That was well played. <laughs> Does it constrict your breathing? No, I'm fine. <laughs> Is that why you have a high pitch? I have a high-pitched voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. You know what's funny? There's always people with a listen. They're like, if I had a chance against RJ, I'd take him out. It's, it's, like, it's like they're seeing like a real fight here because it's not a fight. You know what I'm saying? All right. Anyway, that was my epiphany. I didn't want to go to the big and tall, though I did like back to school. What are you in now, medium? No, I tend to like, I don't, first of all, I'm not going to buy a bunch of new clothes, but, you know. Just oh, you're nice planning on, so you're planning on getting fat again. Be, well, let's be candid. I saw you eat those it, rice and beans today. I it's tell coming. you, the math tells us that that's likely. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of, and it's one, I probably play this once or twice, or twice a year probably. Did you ever watch the show um, Luck? No. So it was the horse racing show. Did you watch it? I vaguely remember it, but I can't say I watched HBO, it. HBO, right? Yeah. Yeah, I never saw and it. And it's, right now, it's on HBO Max and everything. And they have, there's like four or five different groups. And one of them was these four or five, you know, Fred, your partner in Houston, I, I think it's a, a civil union? A life partnership. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good laugher. I like to have him just to laugh on the show. Well. Mackenzie learns on it. <laughs> no, I love it. All right. So, Dave, on that proposition, who would you take? Would you take the plus uh, the two teams or the Zags? Well, I think that's a tough one. If you're going to give I know, me, but you, you give me the plus one, if you give me the plus one thirty-five, I'll take the two teams. And if it was plus hundred, I'll do it. You want two? No vig. Yeah. Yeah. You guys want to do it? Oh, I'll do it. All, All right. right. Fine. So, how's this sound? Because there's no vig, and and the price should be plus one thirty-five. Give him plus one ten. Plus 110. Yeah, so right. it'll be 300 to win three. Dave wins 330, you win 300. Okay. Does that work? Fair enough. First bet, baby. I'm going to get you. I want. Did you ever play AC Deucey, like in college, no. where it's like split? They, they throw the cards down. If it's like an ace and a deuce, you can bet the pot. And uh. oh my God, I, I've seen more people lose money in AC Deucey that don't like to gamble, but it's like hey, King Deuce. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you've uh, played well, that. Well, who's oh, your yeah. two teams? Is they, I mean, Oh, he's going to take I'm going to wait well, a what? couple of weeks. <laughs> why, don't we do this? <laughs> what? Why, don't, why don't we do this? As we go through the games, he'll pick the teams as we go. Okay. Well, I can tell you who they are now, but if you want to wait well, for the yeah, drama. Why don't we, we, should, we, should, we should try to dampen the drama as much as possible. All right, one. <laughs> All right, who do you, who's your two? Alabama and Illinois. Ooh. What do you think of Bama? I like Alabama. I think they've got they've got a tough draw. Uh, Texas is tough. They're going to have to go up against him. 
I don't think Isaiah Livers will come back, so I think Michigan's soft, but but Alabama's good. The funny thing is when we did this, AJ did the radio show twice this week, and I was trying to play him up. So at the beginning, I go, he knows everything about college basketball. I go, like, I can just pick a team. Who's the point guard for USC? He goes, um, hmm. Well, he knew the power forward. He goes, I mean, you got to cut him some slack there. Is well, the power forward's the brother goes, of the, the goes, guy who's going to be, like, the top three goes, pick. He goes, is that Southern Cal? No. Then he goes, O.J. Simpson went there, right? And yeah. <laughs> now you're just rattling off, you know. Do you, are you a choker, you think? I guess so. I mean, but have In you that thought moment, that before? Because you had a losing record as a MMA fighter. That's false. <laughs> what was your record? I, I was 4-0 and as an amateur, 1-1 one and one as a pro. Uh, okay. One and one. So, no, 2-0 and as a pro, 3-1 and one as an amateur. So you were you were undefeated as a pro and said I'm giving this up. Rocky Marciano. Yeah, I was thir- 37 years old. I wasn't like I was. I never fought to be serious. What are you mid 50s? I'm 40 point? now. So you gave it was only three years ago that you gave up the MMA. I thought it was like 20 years ago. No. Like the way you were walling around a couple years ago, you were fighting in the MMA. Yes. But it, it wasn't the UFC. No. Was this like Rocky versus Spider Rico? Yes. Remember the fight in the beginning yes. of one? Like you got $37 in the back and then had to pay for the, the no, nurse? I, I made pretty decent money fighting. So, But on the regional scene, fighting, like uh, how much money you make is about how much how many tickets you can sell. Oh, cause and, you were, oh wait a minute. So this was like like Donnie Badaducci fighting or something. Like you were on the radio and we said, well, let this guy fight because he'll promote it on the radio show. Like stuttering John in a fight. No, I trained to fight. Well, I, 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 was, I was training try. every day. But did you fight? Was it another radio guy you No. Fought? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't seem right. There's something. There's some part of this story we aren't hearing about. All right. Aren't, when you're undefeated, why would you stop? Wouldn't you take one defeat? I did take one defeat as an amateur. But then you kept going. I tore my ACL in a fight. So when you were in the service, you hurt your foot. Mm-hmm. You tore your ACL. I mean, you're injury prone. I am. Are you, are you brittle? What would you say? I've torn my ACL twice. <laughs> and once was at lunch. Yes. <laughs> the funny thing is, he's supposed to be a comedian. No. That's always the thing people say about AJ's a comedian. That's a lie. You know what's funny? You ever, you ever watch? Uh, I know it's not politically cracked now, but did you ever watch Louis the, the sitcom? Mm-mm. So David Lynch was on there once, and Louis was going to be the next Dave Letterman, right? And and David Lynch plays an old school Hollywood guy that was going to teach him how to be that guy. And at one point, he goes, he's with Louis a whole week, he's training him. He goes, finally they're kind of relaxed. He goes, what a news station do you work for? And Louis goes, what? He goes, you're a newsman, right? He goes, no, a comedian. He goes, what? He goes, I've been with you for a week. You haven't made me laugh one time. <laughs> it was one of the great lines ever. He goes, he goes you're a newsman. <laughs> this is actually the um, David Lynch giving Louis advice before he does his or his uh, test show. Now I'm going to tell you what I know to be the three rules of show business. Number one. Look them in the eye and speak from the heart. Number two, you got to go away to come back. And number three, if someone asks you to keep a secret, their secret is a lie. Pretty, a lot of wisdom That's in that. deep. <laughs> David Lynch from Montana. The bet's on. What's Alabama's odds to win the title? 
You got him in front of you. I, I, I'm going to say 12, maybe. Oh, I'm going to say more like 25. 20 to 1. 20. Wow, do you Split like that bad? No. The, the reason I'm taking whoa, whoa, out. Whoa, 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 really? Why would you take him? But, uh, because they're in the, if they have to play Gonzaga, it won't be till the final four. I don't want two teams from the same bracket that might knock one another out. I want two chances at this. We had now, a big debate about this. And now, unfortunately, Dave, there's a rule here that once a bat, it's kind of like opening a bat in poker. I can now bet on either side. Are you are you able to handle that? If I bet against you here, it's your show. No, but I'm asking you as a as a valued pro. Would it would six losing six hundred be troublesome for you? No. Winning 600 will be far I'm on, more. I'm on with AJ. Fair enough. I mean, you're taking 20 to 1 because of when they might meet them? I don't understand that. You know what we'll do if we have any energy? At the end of the pod, we should have that debate because it makes no sense to me. I, I mean, we can have the, the discussion. Well, at, least, at least the discussion. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think there's validity to both sides of it. I don't know that there's a firm and, and yeah, sure right, right answer. I, I find that. But, I th- yeah, we'll hold it. But the whole debate is – do you pick the two best teams or do you try to plot out ways where they're going to play Gonzaga or they're not going to play Gonzaga? Whenever I don't know what's – because the funny thing Dave just said is they don't play Gonzaga till, which means they were he's trying to avoid them where you were trying to get them to match up. Yeah. Which tells you there's probably two valid approaches there. But to me, the reason I liked it against Dave – and I – listen, Dave. Hey, Mackenzie, Dave doesn't listen every second of the pod – is when, when Dave's on one thing and any of the other guys want to go against him, what happens? Money behind Dave. Uh, you got to press that button. You usually pick Dave's side. Usually. When don't I? Today. No, today I'm looking in his eye. I'm seeing he's a little... <laughs> un- no, I'm sure. Yeah, I can't remember any time you didn't, you didn't pick Dave over, over another handicap. Exactly, Dave. You get a lot of support from me because they all laugh at you. Oh, Dave's not from Vegas. Dave doesn't. I've heard him once say the inj- or that uh, turnovers are are uh, skill, and I say, yeah, that's that's goofy, yeah, but. And then I bet. I don't think I've ever gone to the turnovers are <laughs> skill part. Game number two. Man, oh, go ahead. It's going to be Illinois and Gonzaga in the final. I mean, I feel like I'm getting Alabama almost as like a, a bonus. Well, then then you might want to take Illinois at seven to one. Do you I'm, like that? I'm, I might well do that. But do you think there's value there? I do. And you actually agree that, that if you could take a, only a second team, you'd want Illinois. Illinois. What price would you, if you could have Illinois and Gonzaga? Huh. <sighs> I mean, would you lay minus 200? Yeah. Wow. No, maybe not minus 200. Nah, that's, that's a lot. Because I was just, I, I mean, like I said, six weeks ago, Baylor and Gonzaga were even money against the field. I, I mean, but you clearly think there's a drop after those two. I, I do. Is it that Illinois is that good, or Illinois is the type of team that can beat Gonzaga, or what? Uh, Illinois is playing their best ball right now, and I, I say Illinois is like if you if it was NBA Jam. This may not be a reference you know, but if it was NBA <laughs> Jam, and you just take the two best players from each team, Illinois can match up with anybody in the country. Their top two guys are as good as anybody's top two guys. So that that to me puts them in the conversation. Really well coached team. Uh, I I think that team is is very legit, and I liked them at the beginning of the season. I liked them last season a lot. Speaking of liking them earlier, McKenzie just flashed two weeks ago. Mister Dave Esler, right here on the pod, gave Illinois to win the NCAA title at ten to one. 
So that's why he wouldn't play it at seven to one. No, now. but that's what I'm saying is that's the beauty of well, it. I was right? going to go there, but yeah, that's that's the beauty of it is we we why take seven to one if you got ten to one and the listeners of the pod got ten to one that follow. Okay, I think we're making slow pace. Game number two, <laughs> we've got Oklahoma against Missouri. Oklahoma favored by two. Dave. Yeah, tough one here. Oklahoma lost five or six, and their only good win was late January over Alabama. I think Oklahoma has a habit of playing teams close and not finishing. I look at Missouri, their losses were primarily to teams that forced them to run. Oklahoma's not going to do that. I know Oklahoma has the better defense. They shoot well from the line. Those are tough things for me to fade. They're important. But I think ultimately this comes down to which team I trust more, and I think I trust Missouri. So when it comes to the side pick or, or, or the advancement, even though Missouri's plus two, you would advance them. Absolutely. And thus you would have at least why, a strong why, why, lean. Why would take plus, plus two? two? Exactly. Where you got? I, I kind of lean the same way. They're, they're very similar teams. Uh, he mentioned, you know, they've lost five of the last six. Their only win in that stretch was Iowa State, who didn't win a single conference game this year. Now, who are we talking about now? Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Okay. and they they only won that game by six points. But Mizzou's not exactly roaring into the tournament either. Uh, they've lost six of their last nine. They they've got two ball handlers uh, in Drew Smith and Xavier Pinson that I like. They lead the pick and roll, and Jeremiah Tillman being back now is a big deal for them. I, I think the big difference between these teams, one of the big differences, Oklahoma protects the ball. Uh, they're sixteenth nationally in turnover rate. Mizzou's middle of the road, but they've done a pretty poor job down the stretch. But Missouri gets to the line at a much higher clip. Uh, that that kind of makes me feel like in a close game, they're going to have an edge. My gut says that Tillman has his way against the not-so-great bigs for Oklahoma. But I just Oklahoma falling apart down the stretch, I, I just don't have much faith in them. I like, I like Oklahoma's coaching a little bit better. Uh, Dave and I were talking about this off the air. He 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 likes Quanzo better, but I, I just think that with two teams collapsing, Mizzou's collapsing a little bit less right now. All right, so Missouri is the consensus to advance. Neither of you are using one of your seven picks, though. No. Next up, Creighton minus seven and a half versus UCSB. Is that Cal United uh, California Santa Barbara? UC Santa Barbara. Yep. Okay, baby. You got something? Yeah, this will be one of my seven. Uh, I, I like Santa Barbara uh, plus seven and a half here. Uh, Creighton is definitely legit on offense. They always are. Uh, Zegarowski's their leader. They, Damian Jefferson's just behind him in usage. They've gotten solid seasons from a lot of guys, a lot of upperclassmen. They're a solid team, certainly, on offense. But also, as usual, they're tiny. And they pretty much never have anyone over six seven on the floor. And when they do, they it's a, a seven-foot freshman who – is still very much a project. And if he's on, it requires taking Bishop off, which they don't really want to do. Santa Barbara has some really interesting size on their side. They've got a guy named Amadou Sow and a guy named Miles Norris. They're both 6'9", 6'10"-ish, and they play big. And Sow is just going to dominate the glass in this game. Creighton, not a great rebounding team. Norris has a really interesting sort of inside-out offensive game. And he plays really good post defense. These are going to be matchup problems for Creighton. The key on offense, though, for for Santa Barbara is a guy named Jacory McLaughlin. He is an an excellent shooter, forty percent three point shooter, a top fifty assist rate nationally, a top one hundred offensive rating. He's a physical guard. He makes everyone on the floor better. He is a problem. And Creighton, which is not a great defensive team, 
is is going to struggle. They they run a defense, uh, Santa Barbara does, that makes it difficult to get open looks from three, and that makes it difficult for Creighton to score unless the, the bigs are just confused on rotation, and I don't think it happens. Santa Barbara's lost so one game Santa this year. Santa Barbara would probably struggle against a team with an old-school post game. Then. Santa Barbara, two, three of their losses, three of their four losses this season came against UC Irvine, UC Riverside, both teams that have big physical mm-hmm. guys who could handle them. Uh, they've only lost one game in 2021, though, so they're coming in playing really good ball. Do you guys agree – that more than any other season, the COVID reality makes it where if you wait, you should wait the more recent games even heavier, not just because of proximity, but because of, hey, a lot of struggles with COVID, a lot of teams trying to get cohesion. And the truth of now says a lot more about the merit than the truth of two months ago. For the most part, yes. There's some teams, Kansas, Virginia, teams that had to drop out of their conference tournaments. I, I can't take what they've done recently at all, really. That, so I'm having a hard time so you're with saying them. They, they've had a burden because they've had COVID. Because they've had very recent COVID right. issues. So I don't know what we're going to get from you bring, them. You bring up a good point. I think if a team's improved, we take it very seriously. If a team's dropped off, we look for reasons and maybe excuse it. Baylor's a good a good example. Baylor was a team that was on top of the world. They hit their COVID break, and they've not looked the they same. They haven't been the same since. I mean, so that I I don't like Baylor as much now. Like you said, recency is just really strong in your head. Uh, so that's that's kind of the way I'm approaching it. Who's look, especially if they've had COVID, how have they looked after COVID? But what you're saying is, if there's a re, if the COVID was the issue with Baylor, and we could identify when they'd snap out of it. All of a sudden, we could excuse a lot of this lesser, these lesser performances. Sure, but, well, we but they haven't, haven't snapped out of it yet. yet. Okay. What do you got in the Santa Barbara game? Uh, I, I got to agree with AJ. I, I'd love to find a way not to, but... So, so real quick, who do you pick to advance here? I pick Santa Barbara to advance. So this is an upset. You like him, one of your seven picks, and to advance. Yes. Dave, who do you got to advance? Uh, same. I got to agree with AJ. Oh. I mean, I think it's an absolute gift. I, I think it's a, it's a huge matchup problem for Creighton. I mean... Santa Barbara's not going to let Creighton run, and that's that's just going to cause them all kinds of problems in addition to what A.J. already mentioned. Well, Creighton just got destroyed in the Big East Championship by Georgetown, another big team that has some shooters, and that's what we're seeing here. It's it's Matchup-wise, it, it's, not, it's not good for Creighton, and like you said, the big physical teams, that's the teams that give Santa Barbara trouble. Creighton is not that. This is strong stuff, strong. Now, this is when I – and you guys know I don't do – much promotion, but we're doing something very special here. Let's be candid. As Americans, (laughs) having the NCAA tournament taken from us last year was like, wow, this is for real. You know, obviously in that intervening year, we know it's for real, but at the time it was like emblematic of that. And by the way, Mackenzie, it's got me, they got me thinking, check as I'm telling this promotion, sharing this promotion, uh, how, what was the opener on that Creighton line? Because Boy, I, I like the rationale. I'm going to probably bet that. So what we're going to do is celebrate this tournament. So what I did two years ago, and it was the biggest selling. I don't sell anything, really. At the big. You're going to sell that trash can. Just my heart. But <laughs> but the, big, the biggest selling package we've ever had was, to, you know, the most recent March Madness. My bracket I put out. Now, what, what's mine? You don't know college basketball. True. But I've done, I think, I know, some innovative work when it comes to the advancement, how many number ones advance. And then when I take Dave Astor, who helped a couple years ago, AJ, who helped, 
Fezix, who's, who's going to help this year. Those three, their feedback, plus my bracket picking rules, we get it. We have a hell of a bracket. Now, we're going to charge $64 for the 64 teams. I'm old school. I don't believe in the plans. But you know what? For the podcast and a few other channels, I'm going to give a $60 coupon. Oh, that's a good deal. Now, I'm going to do the math in my head real quick. <laughs> that's $4. I think that's 4 bucks. You're going to get the podcast, or I'm sorry, check that. You're going to get the entire bracket to use however you want, and it's going to be, again, my bracket picking rules, Dave Essler's picks, AJ's picks, and Fezzik's. And it's been very successful. I've, uh, I won the Kevin. Last time we did this, the Kevin and Bean had like 18 people participating. Also, I won. Also, my niece won a milkshake. This was actually great. It was about three years ago. Uh, you know, my niece at the time was like nine. And they had everyone in the school picking the bracket, doing their own brackets. So my sister calls me and goes, hey, you got to help Elena. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, how many people are in it? It's like 45. I go, you realize if they just pick randomly, the, the odds are I'm not going to win. Meaning it's, it's hard to beat 45 people regardless. She goes, oh, it's going to be easy for you. So I ended up winning it for her. There you go. She, they thought it was like nothing. It was like I got, we got lucky there. I mean, she, she, apparently she got to eat a milkshake and a hamburger and everyone else is eating the normal schlob. And she's like a little, you know, all happy about it. So there you go. That's an endorsement. I mean, if my niece can win... Amongst other, you know, fifth graders, you don't think this is going to help you? Well, it's at least worth four bucks. I mean, milkshake costs more than that. Yeah. So here's the coupon. <laughs> here's the coupon. You just go to pregame.com and you click. You're going to see it most likely prominently on the homepage. Worst case, you go into the uh, buy pros section. You'll see it. And the coupon's simple: sixty-four sixty. Uh huh. It's not random. It's the normal price, $64, and then the $60 that you're getting off. And once again, we haven't verified, but it's a $4. We think it's a $4 difference you're going to be paying. What do you think, AJ? Uh, it's a good deal. I think you so. You get too. four items for $4 at Wendy's. <laughs> so they've got a four mm, for four. I thing. wouldn't mind some fries. But you could get that as part of your – you could get some nuggets, some fries, a, a small burger, and, and maybe a, a beverage, but I'd rather have the bracket. Like you said, that, that your bracket got a burger and a milkshake. For a child. Milkshakes aren't on the four for four, especially if it's a large milkshake. That's a good deal. <laughs> and I didn't even actually tell you the best part. Well, I don't know about that. We're going to donate all a net profit proceeds, so – we're going to, you know, after any, you know, again, it's credit card fees and all that. But other than that, it's going to a COVID charity. We'll pick it and we'll make, you know, obviously make it public when we do. Next game, Virginia favored by seven against Ohio University. Had, uh, hello, Megs County. Go ahead. Yeah, this is going to be one of my seven, RJ. Woo, Doc. I'm going to take Ohio State. Uh, I'm going to take Ohio plus seven. All right. and, and to me, this is a bet. On Ohio and against Virginia. I mean, Ohio got hot at the right time. They just crushed Buffalo in their final game. But in as much as a bet against Virginia, we know they had COVID issues. They're not going to get practice. They're not even flying to Indianapolis until Friday. And I think that just puts them in a very tenuous position. And I think Ohio will make a run. I think Ohio can score with anybody. I don't think Virginia can. So even if Virginia wins, there's just no chance they cover that seven points. 
How much? Well, don't say no chance. How much? Our goal is best picks are sixty. Right, there's right? a sixty percent chance they don't cover that. Yeah, that's per, and that's right. So no, it's just again in our industry, you know. And Dave, yours. Uh, listen, one of the reasons Dave's so successful, and this is true, he's forthright, and uh, you know all the old tout stuff. Dave's the opposite of that, and that's genuinely true. And if anyone that follows him knows that. Um, what do you think about certain coaches do well in the tournament? And how seriously do we take that? Because obviously Virginia's had a good history. I think, I think we take that very seriously. And if Virginia didn't have the issues that they've had lately, I mean, I think... So net-net, you'd like this even more if Virginia didn't have the pedigree they do in the in Absolutely. The okay. What about you believe in that? Uh, to an extent. And Virginia won the national championship a couple of years ago. The year before that, yeah, they were the they, sixteen. Yeah. They were, they lost to a sixteen seed. So, but not net. Virginia's done pretty well in the tournament. What we say? Yes, uh, I, I agree with Dave's pick. Uh, I won't bet it at seven. Mm. Um, what did open? Ten. Ten. But you know, it's one of those things. These numbers, are at least early, are soft. Is so it's the old debate, right? Is, is what do you think the line should be? I, I no, I, I I don't I don't hate him playing it at seven. I've already you, played it at ten, so oh, I've oh, got. But that's different. If you didn't have a bet on it, would you play it at? I'd seven? I'd play it at seven. Okay, that's different. Okay, so because to me, as much as you wish you had it at ten, the question is, what should the line be? Right now, some people say no. The odds maker is not going to put a number bad enough that it can move three and still be a good bat. And that, that's the debate. I think in this instance with the COVID stuff, there's a, there's a lot of wiggle room on this line. I, I don't like Virginia ever as a big favorite because just because of the style of play that they have. But uh, seven big? Seven's pretty big for a Virginia game. Virginia, who's got the slow, they're the slowest mm-hmm. tempo team in the entire country. They, they want to grind games out. You want me to take half your plus ten? No. Okay, I was just. No, I, I appreciate I'm it. I'm trying to mitigate your. Risk. I appreciate it, uh, but Virginia, even before they got shut down for COVID, not very good on offense. And two years ago, when they won the national championship, they had elite shooters on the outside. They've got guys who are good, but they don't have guys who can create their own shots. Hauser, Murphy, they're good, but they're not creating their own shots. Really, all their offense goes through the post. Uh, Ohio really has the the most exciting guard on the floor uh, a guy named Jason Preston who is a, a, a for that level for the Mac a superstar uh I, I think that he's going to be able to create his own shot against his defense which is tough uh that pack line is is tough to get around but I think he can work his way through it everything about this handicap could get thrown out if it turns out that Virginia had to leave because, uh, you know, the towel boy is the guy who got COVID. You know, they're well, because let's, we let's, don't let's, really know. Yeah, let's assume doing this days ahead, there's that randomness is there, no doubt. Yeah, so that's the worrisome thing for me. They're, COVID could have ravaged their program, and they may they may show up with eight guys uh, in Indianapolis. That's a possibility, but it's also possible that they didn't really have an issue with players, and it was an assistant coach or a, a film study guy. So there's a lot of variables which sort of turns me off about this game, but I agree in general. Ohio's a really bad matchup for them. Uh, it's gonna, it's a trendy upset pick. There's a lot of people talking about it, but with all the, the unknowns being he's, on one side. He's, he's saying that you're like uh, 
just following the crowd. Or he's a, he's so, a crowd. He's well, a lemming. What, what about Cal Santa Barbara? Was that not following the crowd? Oh, I'm not. I'm not judging. I, okay. I'm telling okay. you, I'm on the same side. Well, you, okay. you do realize that saying that a pick is, you know, just oh, that just because that, it's that's, trendy doesn't mean it's wrong. I know, but trendy is a pejorative. In in sports and in sports forecasting, oh, I don't mean it in that way. I mean it's a it's a it's going to be a popular upset pick. I'm just, happy but I think it's for just, good reason. I just don't want Dave to be upset. That's all. I'm not upset, but I do have he a question. He upsets a lot of people. AJ does. Well, he hasn't upset me yet, so <laughs> he's still on this side of the glass. Go ahead. Um, you know, I, I agree with you in the variables, AJ. But regardless, how much do you factor in the fact that Virginia is really going to have little or no practice time? To compare to prepare for a team that they've never seen, it's an issue certainly, uh, and, and that I think that's. Uh, but I do also think that's cooked into the number. I, agreed. You know, Virginia two weeks ago, if you'd said minus seven against Ohio, I, I wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have thought twice about it. But because they've had this shutdown, because they got kicked, they, they, so you would have thought the line was right. I would have thought the line was about right. So what you're saying is the value here is all that this is pretty much set to the power rated number. And there's a big influence negative for Virginia. It's not being accounted for. Agree. Well, yeah, and, I, and I wonder if Virginia comes into this tournament, like typically Virginia comes into this tournament as one of the favorites. Or, or well, they're the four seed. Potentially. Well, but they're not. Well, what's a potential favorite? A favorite's predicting the Whatever. Favorite. They come in with the idea that they can win. Yeah, the I think that's fair. I think that's fair. They're not coming into it this way this year. And so I really wonder how much heart you're going to get out of those oh, guys. So what you're saying is, t- as a four seed, you're saying you're saying they're overseeded based on how they're. I don't care right what now. the seed is. I'm talking about Virginia. But Virginia, you can put them two, you can put them twelve. I think Virginia knows they're not winning the national championship this year, and I think other years they come in with expectations that they they might or can. And okay, I don't think they have that this year. That's interesting. Because obviously the seed to some degree is a proxy of a team's chances, but a team could think differently about themselves in the seeding, I guess. So, Mackenzie, do me a favor. Will you check the um, Ken Palm uh, just math on this game? I want to yeah. confirm that the seven kind of sets, you know, again, Ken Palm's obviously. It is. It's. It says seven? Uh-huh. Well, gee, so w- what's the market saying? They just, the, first, why did this game open 10? That, I don't Be- know. Because it's Virginia and people know Virginia. And people don't know Ohio, the fifth best team in the twelfth best conference. I think they just threw that out there. I mean, it didn't last what ten minutes. It was gone. Yeah, it, it didn't last long. But somehow you got in your pocket. I got it in my pocket. My subscribers got it in their pocket too. Pregame.com. Pregame.com. I like when I don't like greedy people unless they work for me, <laughs> and then I figure we all benefit. Yeah. And speaking of that, Fez tomorrow. Okay. Oh, AJ, you don't know much about USC. I don't. Oh. What's their point guard's name? <laughs> by, the, by the way, <laughs> who do you guys take to advance here, Virginia or OU? I think because it's there, there's so many questions about it, this is one of the ones where I'll, I'll probably feel good advancing Ohio. Uh, I, I, again, I could easily be wrong, but I don't Obviously. have I don't have Virginia I don't have Virginia going far in this so, tournament so anyway. The, so the short answer is Ohio. 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 Okay. Um, this is time to give some macro quick advice. If you are playing in a small bracket contest where there's five of you, seven of you, less upsets, what it's going to take to win it is going to be more along the line. And I actually want to do so. I know maybe this is kind of goofy. I don't know this. If I did a bracket 
that was purely the seed, or, or actually the first round would be the the Vegas favorite advances. This from there the seed better seed advances, and then if they were uh, same seed, you know, in the final four, I guess that's possible, or it's certainly possible. Is uh, some other you know kind of thing you could do? Ken Palm ranking. Okay. Right? Do you think that that bracket's a favorite against any other individual bracket? Because the way it comes down to is that you would have to be able to say, in this case, the lower seed has a better chance to, or the worst seed has a chance to win, and Vegas is wrong. Like those are the, I got Vegas on my side, and then the seeding. I would love to be able to do Vegas every round. And in that theory, like literally, a little kid, my niece could have won herself, would have went down. You know, one, you know, one beat sixteen, two beat three. It's interesting. As much as we love these brackets that probably the chalk, chalk, chalkiest chalk is a favorite over almost every bracket. It is. Heads up. One, one thing I'll warn you, and you, you said a, sort of a macro thing about small pools. If you are betting Gonzaga this year, you have to be perfect in almost everything else to win your pool because most brackets are going to have Gonzaga at the end. Mm-hmm. Two years ago when everybody was betting Duke, I had Virginia as my champion – I knew at the end of the day, none of my little stuff Mm -hmm. mattered. None of the first-round games mattered as much as long as my team won. If you are playing the chalk favorite, you have to be pretty pretty sharp in these first rounds. Here's what I would say. If we assume the only way you're going to win is by having the champion, then regardless, if you're picking a champion that's chalk, it means you need that plus relatively the best performance. Not perfect, but relatively the best performance. If you're playing a long shot champion, it's probably enough to to have the champion. Yes, I think that's fair to say. All right, I, that's fascinating though. Is I, I bet there a lot of you could get a big bet like that. Say, hey, I'll pick the bracket. You could almost say I'll pick the bracket on Saturday before it comes out. I'll like literally would then pick like the north, the, the the first round in the northwest this or the you know central. Yeah. What kind? And I say you get to wait until a minute before tip off. You just give me two to one. I, you could make money. I mean, I think you'd be. I mean, I think in that case you wouldn't have the Vegas advantage. But I, how many? How many see, uh, worst seeds are even favored in the first round? There's a handful. Not a, not a whole. I mean, not, outside of small, seven tens, it's it, there's seven tens or eight nines. I don't I don't know that there is one. Yeah, and and is this, and what I tend to do always, and this is another tip. I if it's close, I always play the nine in advance. Because there's going to be so many – because remember, the way to win a bracket isn't just getting it right. It's getting it right when others get it wrong, right? Those are the high leverage ones. If everyone who's just kind of coin flipping is picking eight over nine most of the time because it's the better number, right, is why not take the nine? And nines have actually done well historically – and if you win, you actually are beating more P. It's kind of contrarian. Good news. We got Missouri in our first uh... – I know. I like that when we were <laughs> eyeballing him. Would you – if I said I – if I went one – if I was going to go chalky chalk, like I just said, do you, do you think you're a favorite against me? No. So why – so what we're saying is – any outcome is very unlikely, meaning any exact outcome is a billion, you know, multiple billion to one, whatever. I think it's 9.2 quadrillion. Um, yeah. Is so last year there, or the year before, there was a certain kind of combination. The odds are the most likely outcome 
is pure chalk all the way. It is. That's how my son fills out his bracket. And, oh, that's a lower number. That's who I'm picking. And the funny thing is we'll be like, well, you're never going to win that way because it never happens. But it has a better chance of happening than yeah. any other bracket. Outcome. So why not just do that? Takes the fun out of it, I guess. People try to outthink the room. Uh, it, that and does I, happen, and I think they, I think they want the, the ego of outthinking the room once. You know what I'm going to oh, do? Oh, I picked the 13 over the 4. Well, yeah, but you got all the other ones wrong. I don't care. I, I, was, I was spot on Colgate. I think there's some truth to what you're saying. Here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to do the bracket, which is I'm going to do two brackets for the same price. One is in small pools and one is in big pools. And I'll probably only have like three games different, right? But why not? Yeah. Right? And that's for the same $4. They've, we oh, just doubled, that's we, value. We just doubled the value without raising the price. Imagine Wendy's gave you two chicken nuggets mm. and two drinks and two fries like and the, two burgers. I like the honey dip, yeah. honey mustard. Yeah. You know, i tell you this. I'm a big fan of certain cola dispensers. Not dispensaries like you probably like. Right. Dispensers. Like, for example, there's long diatribes on the, online about McDonald's, how they make their Coca-Cola taste so good. Apparently. It's not just regular Coca-Cola? No. They do two different things differently. One, they have cer- certain brass or something in the where they freeze it, and the brass gets it colder, which I've been taking to drink in my so I love soda, in a little uh, uh, julep cup. Uh, what's it called? Like there's an alcoholic drink, like wine. Is it something julepy or something? A mint julep. That's like they it, drink julep. at the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, so they have that's a copper cup. Like it's. No, for- you're thinking of, of mules. Mm, may, maybe. Like what you drink a Moscow mule out of. You know, it could also be that, but the, maybe so. the thing okay. I read was, and I ended up on Amazon seeing like a, you know, $25 copper cup for like six bucks. It's the best thing ever because you put ice in there within about, I mean, like two minutes. It's like so cold. Like you got a frosted mug. I can't drink it any other way now. You ever drink uh, Coke Zero from a copper cup, Dave? Only the ones I've got here. You got caught? What are you, what are you talking about? From a copper cup? Yeah. No. The only time I drink Coke Zero is when I come out here because that's all you got. What do you drink at home, Dan? Diet Coke. You realize that like Diet Coke is they only send that to like the less populated states. Yeah, I know. Pop- it's also good for taking battery acid off. <laughs> I get it. I mean, I used to drink it when I had it, but then I had a choice. I went to Coke Zero. Well, this was light years better. It is. Okay. Well, it's there's something with aspartame. I think it's aspartame where Diet Coke, ha- I th- allegedly, whatever, I don't know, has aspartame, and that doesn't, and it's not good for you. Like right. it's like a more natural. Sweetener. I'm going home. I'm never going to drink another Diet Coke again. Thank you for that. I, if Dave lives a long time, I mean, he's already in his, you know, is it? I'm older than AJ. Is it? Is it 77? Not yet. Come on, really? Um, year after next. Really? I was joking. I thought you were like 66. I guess it's been I'm years. Not, I'm, I'm not you. 66 either. Hmm. Somewhere in between. Somewhere, somewhere be- in between. Somewhere between 66 and you 77. No, somewhere between 77 and 40. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, I, uh, let me just say, it's not that. <laughs> it's a, that's a wide range. <laughs> I get it. Next game, USC. I don't understand this. Why wouldn't you just have all the number one? Oh, I guess because they want decent games. Okay. And the play-ins. Ugh, enough. Um, what, anything that matters about USC? Who's their point guard? 
<laughs> Taj Eadie's their point guard. They've got elite size, though. That's kind of what separates ah. USC from the pack. Evan Mobley going to be a top five pick, seven footer. Uh, he his brother is on the team too. He's six ten, six eleven. Not as skilled, but he's he's still a problem. Uh, they don't have great shooting. They don't have great facilitating. They just have huge guys that are. If you if you can shoot, you'll be able to beat USC. Neither one of these teams are good enough shooters to okay. beat USC, so my lean will be probably with USC to advance against whoever wins. So if it does advance out Kansas and USC, you'd probably like Kansas because in theory, Kansas probably is better at the th- – no. No, Kansas not a great shooting team either. Also, but, but Kansas – I thought, I thought Kansas would have a lot of size to match them. They don't. Wow. Okay. That's kind of where Kansas has struggled this year ah. compared to recent years where they've had a big body down low, they don't have that right now. So they're having to change the way they play offense. And Kansas is another team. I don't want to bet on Kansas because they're dealing with COVID issues as well right now. All right. What's your thoughts on USC, Dan? Uh, I I just don't trust them in any situation. I mean, it's one of those that I can... Well, that says a lot. I I, I don't. There's no scenario I I would possibly trust this team. I haven't... I mean, have you, I'll make a blanket statement, but no, it, I love it. It's I, I, it's it's it's, I, I love it's it. Enfield. You know, he had his little gig down there at Florida Gulf Coast. He went out there. He's had plenty of time to get that team above to where they are now. And the other thing for me, they're a sixty-three percent free throw shooting team. These games are close. Now, I might I might agree with AJ and advance them against either Wichita or Drake, but I would never lay the points. I, I'd be curious to see what now, those numbers are. Let's be explicit here. Is do you see a scenario that you would take Wichita or Drake over USC to advance? Uh, Drake maybe Wichita no. What about you, AJ? No. So you like USC? I like USC. Whoever their point guard is, Kansas Eastern Washington. Kansas is favored by ten and a half. Yeah, this one's an easy one for me. I mean, I put them in the I, I put Kansas in the fade category. ATS here. Uh, for the same reasons Virginia is. I mean, they're they're not going to have any rest. And as AJ just mentioned, they're not very big. And I don't now, think is this a lean or a like. Tell me what the difference is: a lean, a like, or one of my seven. There are three levels. <laughs> uh, this is a like. Okay, so you may bet this. I may bet. I I, w- I will bet Eastern Washington, but okay. it's not one of my seven. Right. I just don't think people realize how good Eastern Washington is. You know, at the beginning of the season they. They played Washington State, Arizona, Oregon. I know those teams aren't elite, uh, but they're not big sky conference level, and they played all three of them pretty tough. So at the at the risk of running, and they're, they're not overly undersized. So I could actually see a scenario if Kansas totally falls where Eastern Washington could beat them, but at plus 10.5, I think it is right now, I like Eastern Washington. To advance, though, you take Kansas. Yes. I, I don't have a good feel for the ten and a half. Uh, That's fine. I, I'm but certainly so, so obviously Kansas to advance. Kansas to advance. So, this is a Kansas has gotten a lot better defensively of late. They were they were bad early in the season. Bill Self they, he tweaked some things, adjusted the way they were playing, and they've gotten a lot better defensively. Eastern Washington is a really good offensive team. They are horrific on defense. Like they don't get back. They're lost. Uh, and when you talk about a coach like Bill Self, a small guy, a smart guy with time to prepare. Mm. I like Bill Self here. I, 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 I think the number's pretty close. If I had to lean one way, I'd probably lean to Kansas, even though I'm, I'm like Dave. I want to fade Kansas. I just can't in this matchup. Next up, Oregon five and a half against VCU. Dave. Yeah, this is going to be another one of my seven, RJ. Ooh. 
Um, I I really like Oregon. I mean, I wanted to find a way not to take Oregon because they can get a little lazy on defense. But I think they found their offense. So down you the... mentioned lazy. You mentioned Eastern Washington, the lazy. But part. not lazy. They're just not athletic. Oh, like I they, you they can't get, get back. back. Okay. Do you think is a team that's lazy on defense in the regular season a bet on team because you don't think they're going to be lazy in the tournament? Well, I think it depends who it is. I mean, but who's lazy in the tournament? Is there anyone that lazy? Don't define lazy. I mean, team, I mean te- teams the teams that are huge favorites are going to get a little lazy. Okay, that's interesting. You're saying if they get a big lead. Okay. But in the competitive game, it's like the NBA theory, right? Is a team like the Spurs that tend to play hard every game, they are usually underperforming the playoffs a little bit because other teams don't play hard every game in the regular season, and that's when they play in the playoffs, they're playing hard, and that's they're relatively better than their power rating in the playoffs, so the Spurs are the same because they play hard all the time. In this case, the analogy is an Oregon would be a team that's power ratings depressed because of effort, and it's effort you would expect in the NCAA tournament. What do you think? I think that's about right. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure on the Spurs thing, underperforming in the playoffs. They've got five but, but rings. Yeah, but if you actually look at, especially when it, and again, <laughs> Maybe that's uh, that's not exactly correct, but there's a, Atlanta Hawks. There's a lot. It's what they think Utah might be. This year. There's a lot of teams when the effort's consistent, they they just come into the playoffs overrated. Okay, that's fair. And I think to some degree, you could say the Spurs have certainly since 2010. Right, they've won one, but they've had times they were the top three, like time after in the league. But concept applies. Do you agree with that concept? I do. And but do you think Oregon's an example of that? I do. Awesome. Continue. And uh, I think this is also a huge bet for me against Virginia Commonwealth. They're just too young. They're too sloppy with the ball. And Oregon is a team that will turn people over. Um, This one came down to me not only on paper, but it's Dana Altman. It's a guy that I really think gets his players ready for the moment. So I, I think VCU has little to no chance here to stay within double digits of Oregon. So Dana Altman... Formerly of Kansas State, if I recall. Uh, formerly of... Uh... Yeah. Take a look at that, McKenzie. I think so. What do you got, AJ? Creighton. Well, that's... That's not Kansas been, State. He's been at more than one school. Keep looking back in Wikipedia. I, I, I think he's right. I think it was just Creighton. Well, we'll see. I mean, I've been wrong before. We'll uh, I, I'm with him on, on Oregon. I, I like Oregon, too. So you like the bat, battable. Uh, it's bettable. Yeah, five, five and a half, is that the number right now? Yes. Yeah, it's bettable. Uh, Oregon is very switchable on defense. Altman zones are problematic for people who haven't seen them before. They turn you over a lot, and VCU is very, very turnover prone. 264th in, in the nation in turnover rate. So do, why don't we love this game? Because it sounds like the matchup is perfect. It's a team that turns people over against a team that struggles to hold on to the ball. Um. I, I guess well, I'll, I'll tell you why. Bones Highland is a, a guy that plays for VCU, who is a one-man wrecking crew. And any given night, he can just go off. And if he goes off, Oregon. When they played USC earlier this year, I, I actually had a bet on Oregon that did not cover. Uh, USC came out, they hit some threes early, and Oregon just kind of shelled up. And this is a guy, a one a one guy who can take over a game. Uh, in Bones Highland, that kind of scares me a little bit. But I, I, I don't get where he's at. Where I can't picture it being a single-digit game. Wow, he's but at it, most likely. But at five and a half, I, I think there, there's still some value on the Ducks. I can't lie. I love the name Bones. 
I, you know what? I don't know his real name. I think it's like Naquan or something. Nashon. Yeah, I knew it was something like. But I like Bones. I like Bones Highland too. I mean, Bones Highland. It's much easier. to One remember. of the better names in the tournament. I mean, it sounds like a guy you don't. You, you want to if there's a fight, you want him on your side. You don't want him dating your daughter. The best Bones name, Highland. Best name in the tournament. We'll get to later. It's not Bones Highland. Well, then I can't wait. I like Bones, and and it, I knew a guy growing up called Nails. Oh, that's a good one. Man, if you're Nails, you're not soft. Mackenzie, do you confirm Dana Altman? At K State, 1990 to 1994. Oh, look at you! Well done. God, the two. I was I was ten years old, so sorry. Well, I don't know. Again, that's ignorance always has uh, a reason. It, I, I stand corrected. Can we edit this like we did when RJ was wrong earlier? <laughs> that's funny. That's like saying, you know, that's like a, it's kind of like someone who's a persuader will go. Now I could tell you something about him, but they won't let me. So let your memory run wild if you can. Okay, next game. Dana Holman. Okay. Guy's been coaching a long time. Mm-hmm. I knew about it. Iowa in the Grand Canyon. I think uh, Clark Griswold's the coach. There. Okay, what you got? <laughs> no, I thought it was Bryce Drew. All right, 14 and a half, Iowa. Totally my bad. The fifth favorite. Um, I like Grand Canyon here, plus the points. I, I just don't know that Iowa really has the desire to go ahead and, and pound the crap out. This is one of those games that kind of falls in that category to me of Iowa just needs to win and go home and get ready for 48 hours later. And I think Bryce Drew is a good enough coach. Grand Canyon is a good enough team. I've never heard of Grand Canyon. Dan Marley was their coach. Exactly. Uh, they've, they've, they're pretty new to D1, uh, maybe three or four years. Okay, okay. Because, I mean, like you said, there's 300-some schools. I, and I You missed a few. I would, I would have gone with you, but it was 2014. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. But, man, oh, man, that's wild. And is it in the Grand Canyon area? It's in Phoenix. Okay, is that in the Grand Canyon area? I don't think so. So why is it Grand Canyon? I don't know. Little kids, Big Ben. <laughs> oh, that's there. All right. So do you – so Dave's got a lean. This will be one of my seven. Oh, Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon's one of my seven. Now explain that. I was the fifth favorite. The line is 14 and a half. That's not a crazy line. A two seed over a five, that's a lowish line for that, wouldn't you say? It's lowish, yeah. yeah. So uh, why? What, what's with Grand Canyon? Grand Canyon has a guy who's six foot ten named uh, Alessandro Lever, and they've got a seven footer named Osbjorn Mitgard. I'm, I'm probably butchering that name. Uh, Lever is sort of an inside out, like a Dirk type. This Mitgard is a legit big he's he's a problem and if you go look at what Luca Garza's done and everything everything through everything for Iowa offensively runs through the post they're they're the they're one of the more post heavy teams because they go to Luca Garza so much when you look how Garza's done against bigs real physical bigs he's had problems that's why Illinois dominated him mm. uh it, I love matchup handicaps so is this a lean or a, or let's do it like this lean battable it's top seven Incredible. Okay. Here's my one concern about Grand Canyon. The holes. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it hit me about 30 seconds ago, and I said, I want to just be patient. I was so excited I was going to interrupt. Strong. I was going to interrupt, but I didn't. That's strong. Oh, so now we're going to talk about um, Michigan. Dave, what do you got on Michigan? The, the uh, fourth favorite. I, I just I have, I have Michigan beaten, obviously, either – Mount St. Mary's or Texas Southern, but I just don't think they're going to go very far here without Isaiah Livers. I mean, that's that's just 
I mean, I don't know what else you can possibly say. How many, know, how many points per game would you say Livers is worth? Well, I think what he averaged, 13 points a game, AJ? Somewhere around there. Yeah. But, I, but I, mean, I, I think it, to a I spread, ball, he's certainly not worth that. No, oh, no, no, no. His ball handling and the, and the rotation and defense, I mean, I think, I think you take out more than uh, – if, if each starter is 20%, I think you take – 35% out if he's not in the game. So, so he was a, he was a uh, second most valuable player in Michigan? or what uh, they Probably the most valuable player in Michigan. So the most valuable. Uh, you agree with that? Uh, no, I don't agree with that because Hunter Dickinson is uh, defensively his That's value. That's a cool is, name, Hunter Dickinson? Yeah. I he, guess maybe not. Well, maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, defensively, his impact is so great, but certainly Livers is the most important guy to their offense. Okay. So – in the NBA, they say, and again, I defer to the guys that focus on NBA, about six points is the most valuable player. So Jordan in his prime was worth six. James, LeBron worth six. How much would you think this fellow is worth? Three, four. That's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, and a lot of it is just what we've seen of him, you know, what we've seen of, of Michigan, Michigan without, without him. him. It, it doesn't look good. This was a team that was 18-1. and one. A couple weeks ago, and when you're 18 and one, now you're 20 and four. You start to go, uh oh, maybe this guy's pretty important. So the theory is efficient market. They're going to count for his absence, but they could assess it incorrectly. Sure. So the question is, if you could blind play and you were forced to do one, and I'm going to ask both you guys, play on Michigan every game, ATS, or against them every game? I'd be against. I'd be against as well. So you think the market's not properly he's under accounting for the effect of Liver's absence? Yeah, because they there are bigger names like Hunter Dickinson, Franz, Franz Wagner, those those are the guy they're scoring more points per game and things like that. But this is really the guy who kind of makes things go. He's the engine. Yeah, if my liver was absent, it would hurt. It would hurt. Yeah. It'd leave him. But mark. if your Dickinson <laughs> was absent. Then that would uh <laughs> hurt. Well, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. One's a, taking away a positive, <laughs> one's adding a negative. <laughs> you know, the, the question I've asked myself about Michigan, and I would love to hear you take on this, AJ. Suppose they didn't have Isaiah Livers for half or two-thirds of the season. I mean, they're a one seed. If they didn't have him? Yeah, like where would they be? Oh, that's a good question. Now, if it's just three points, you would say maybe it would be another – like an extra ten games without them, Here, here's one and a half extra games. I think yeah, it's not. It's they they'd probably still be a one seed. Michigan's margin of victory is eleven points per game. I mean they, they've they've established themselves. Like Mackenzie, they, see how many games Michigan won by three points or less. All right, but uh, yeah, they they are. I think they're firm as as a one seed. But you know, a, a week ago they were, or two weeks ago they were a, a legit. You know, if you were looking for someone besides Gonzaga, they were in that short list. I, I just don't. I don't so know that they're still there. One, I don't think there's value on Michigan. No, anymore. no. But would you? Let's say that it was minus eleven hundred on the no. Would you bet that? No. Really? I mean, that's annoying. I don't bet anything minus eleven hundred though. See that square? Ooh, ooh, Huey Lewis. Think about this. You can play the song. If you want. That's all <laughs> think, right. Think about this. Is when it comes oh, when I was doing that to Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Is um, what is you know? Think about the casino when they're booking roulette, right? They're mi they're laying minus thirty five hundred, but you would like to own a percentage of the roulette table to win, right? Sure. So I, it, it takes a lot of guts, you know, alligator blood to you know lay the big lumber. But I think there's opportunities with it sometimes. And one thing Circa does here in town, the sports book. They actually will put no on almost all their futures. 
So, like, we were taking a gander at, um, who are we going to go no with? I forget recently. Uh, oh, in the NBA, wasn't it? Mackenzie? Oh, we were right? looking at Gonzaga, minus 250 on the no. Oh, that's Fezzik's theory. Okay. Here's where I, if, if you told yeah, thank me. God I didn't play that. If you told me Livers was for sure going to be out for the entire tournament. Oh, so there's a chance he's coming back. It's supposedly he's been in a walking boot. I, I don't know the extent of his injury because it's college. They don't tell you. But I, so I'm. You got your MD. You don't tend to want to use it. I don't like to use it. Okay. I'm, I'm a podiatrist <laughs> by day, but I try not to. Uh, well, the to flex foot fetish stuff at night gets weird. Yeah, but so I know he's not playing this weekend. I don't know if he's going to be out of that boot and ready to play in two weeks. I, I, I don't know. So if you told me he's out for the entire tournament, I'm, I might play some no at eleven hundred. Michigan, boy, that's smart, Mackenzie. Actually. Michigan did not have one win by less than three points, but as he said, Ivy League style, but they did have an OT win versus Oakland. So in the- by 10, but in theory, if he was worth three points, it wouldn't have went to OT. That is good. That is good. That's one of your little sharper moments. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it. You, you see that being sharp, right? Did you feel prideful? You, you know, it's it's been a year and a half working for pregame, and I actually went through my process like, are just going to ask me this? Are just going to ask me this? And that's what happened. I, I don't think RJ would have noticed, but I, it's good of you that you got into his head. I'm not sure if I glanced at that that I would have made the connection, actually. That was good. Because it's like you could say, well, they won by 10, what's the difference? But they wouldn't have went to overtime. That's true. I liked it. Listen, Mackenzie gets heat, so when you give him love, just let him have it. Uh, whatever, AJ Hoffman. <laughs> German, hmm, okay. Um, da, 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 da. That's an interesting question. I'm a quarter German and three-fourths Italian. I have no idea. I think my – I know my Italian side was here in, night. I think, 1915. But if you're just German, do you, like – And but you've been here, like, generations. Do you wonder, like, what your relatives were doing during WW2? Or do you just think, I don't even want to – I don't even want to know. I, I guess because, like, my grandfather fought in World War II. For on, Hitler? on our side, <laughs> <laughs> on, on on the good on the good guys side. Oh, okay. So I guess I I've never really given it much consideration. And it's funny, like like it seems crazy now, but like Italy was obviously on with Mussolini right. was on that side, and my grandfather was in Normandy. You know, not not that, he wasn't. He actually was there when uh, with Patton in Italy. But the it brings up the point of like fight. Like imagine you leave the U.S. and like ten years later you're fighting a war against the U.S. It's wild. I, I, I guess it doesn't seem right to me, but all right. Or it seems like unreal. What do we got? LSU and St. Bonnie's, and LSU is one. A lot of tight. These uh, seems like the committee did a pretty good job. How would you rate the committee's job? I thought they did pretty well. The the Syracuse not playing in the, the play-in game was odd to me. I didn't even have Syracuse in the bracket. So you, um, you think Syracuse got uh, a preferential seating? I, absolutely, but for the you, most you part, you agree with that, Dave? I, I I agree with that, and for the most part, I think they did a great job. I, I think the only mistake they might have made was dropping Oklahoma State to four, but I can't argue with much of it. So this sounds like the the least amount of uh, disagreement in a I while. Can, well, that's great. All right, uh, any other thoughts on the bracket? 
on on the bracket or on yeah, the just next in game? In general, because I interrupted you. Oh no 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 no! I I I don't I don't I think it was if I were giving it a grade, I, I'd give it a nine and a half out of ten. I, I thought they did a really good job. That's strong. LSU one and a half. Same Bonnie. Dave. Yeah, it's interesting. You were just talking about the committee, RJ. I mean, th- this game is a classic example of what the committee does, and that's match polar opposite styles in the first round. You know, we have LSU, super young, super fast. Bonnie's super experienced, very methodical. And, and I, Bonnie's is a team I'm hard-pressed to bet against, even with little or no bench. I think if this were St. Bonaventure's second game in 48 hours, I mean, they got one of the shortest benches in basketball. I might feel differently uh, but in fairness, LSU's interior defense just isn't that good. They don't pressure the ball. And I think LSU expended a lot of energy in that SEC tournament. And I really wonder that heartbreaker loss to Alabama. I think that might have a lingering effect since they're so young. Now, let's talk about this. There's energy physically, and then there's like a heartbreaking effect. Is The fact this tournament starts on Friday makes anyone that played on Sunday less um, susceptible to fatigue. I'm talking here more about mental fatigue. Yeah, okay, okay. Because, and, and lastly, I mean, LSU is just super young. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to bet against Will Wade, but I have, to, I have to like St. Bonaventure here. So here's my theory. I believe Kentucky being the prototype of this over the years, that these young teams in which freshmen can really make a difference, in December and November, they are just out of high school. By March, they're seasoned to some degree. This year, so in general, I like a young, young team that surges in, in, in February. I just think they're probably underrated. The season stats are underrated. So now the question is, in COVID. I have a team like that we'll get to later. Oh, yeah, please. That fits that very well. And I think in COVID, it's even more the case that there was, you know, it was pra- not practicing as much, not playing as many games. And thus, it would take longer. And the fact that the one-and-done Dukies, the one-and-done Kentucky being so bad speaks to it was hard to int- – I think – uh, cohesion, I think experience together meant more this year than any year. But I also think those are the teams that probably had an unfair advantage or an advantage that is now less pr- uh, prominent because the other teams have Joe. come together. Yeah. Joe. So in general, if I said I'm going to take the veteran teams that had a really good season and veteran is they had a lot of experience coming in and fade them here because they're overrated and I want to play on teams that were young Played poorly, but now played better in February. Would you like both of those macro? Yeah. You agree macro, Dave? Yes, I do. And I'll just throw one more thing out there. You know, you mentioned about these kids being in high school. And I've always found that it can work the other way. Because in high school, they're playing 20, 25 games, never traveling more than like the fresh 20 the, miles. The NBA wall, the exactly. wall. Exactly. And you get into March, and it's, you know, they almost double the practices and games, and I think that that depending on who the team is, I think that can work against them. I think that's the case in the conference tournaments, especially because they so rarely play successive days like that in the regular season. Yeah, right? four, some teams are playing four games in four days, so, and it never happens. So that third and fourth game with a young team might be something to fade, like Dave said. I like that. Although in in this particular season. You know, everybody's having conditioning issues. Nobody's really – very few teams are playing 30-plus games this year just because of the the way COVID's worked out. I mean, some teams have played 15, 16 games yeah, this year. Yeah, so I, I think I think Dave's point's good. I think this year the hit in the wall – This year's an it. exception. Mackenzie, you did some work. I didn't get a chance to dig into it on the teams that are youthful and trending up, trending down. You want to kind of – we'll let AJ talk on this game, and then you want to present? Yeah. 
AJ, did you did you end up with St. Bonnie's? Yes. Yeah, I, I I I'm on the same side. All right. So for you, Dave, is it a lean, a bet, or a top seven? It's a bet. All right. Same for me. Okay. Uh, LSU. So obviously they both advance. They're underdogs, so they yep. advance. Go ahead. Uh, LSU has been able to keep more of the talent that they brought in than anyone would have expected. Uh, Trinan Watford and Javante Smart, neither guy was expected to come back. They both came back, and they improved. But Cam Thomas is the guy that that makes LSU run. He's an unbelievable shooter. The problem is he's got really poor judgment when it comes to shot selection. He he thinks he's Steph Curry, and he's, he's not Steph Curry. Uh, LSU is still a bad defensive unit, not as bad as they were last year, but they're, they're getting better. If they run zone, the Bonnies are going to eat them alive. If they run mostly man, they have a shot. The bon- Bonnies, they're they're long, they're switchable defensively. They play transition defense as well as anyone in the country, which is going to give LSU some problems. Uh, and they crash the glass. That was one of the problems LSU had in the SEC tournament. They've been better defensively because they've been playing man-to-man. That's what they played in the SEC tournament. They had some success with it. The problem is you lose rebounding as as part of that. And St. Bonaventure is going to get a lot of extra chances here. You mentioned they've got a short bench. They, they rely on their best guys. Uh, Kyle Lofton, 96% of the minutes played for his team, highest in the country. They believe in the guys that they've got. Uh, I think they eat inside a little bit. They've got one of the better shot blockers in the country. I like I like the Bonnies as well. Awesome. Great stuff. And But neither are top seven for you guys. No. All right. Um, Next game, Colorado. I told you how much knowledge these guys have. Colorado, Georgetown, Colorado favored by five. Dave. Yeah, this was a tough game for me. Uh, you know, I had to wonder if some of the luster was taken off of Colorado after they lost to Oregon State, and maybe some of that added to G-Town for winning the Big East. What I don't like about the Hoyas, though, is they turn the ball over entirely too much. They rely on threes too much, and now they're in like a new arena, new sight lines. It's tough for me to bend. No, so that's the old Golden State argument, right? Before they won it, is it's tough for, you know, with the pressure, and then in college the sight lines, it's tough for an outside shooting team. Do you, in general, fade or play play less often outside shooting teams in the NCAA tournament? Uh, it depends who they are. Again, I mean, no, George- obviously it depends. Yeah, I'm exactly. In general, in this case, Georgetown, yes, absolutely, because they rely so heavily on the outside shot. So, but. If Georgetown were playing the same game in the regular season against Colorado, you'd be uh, more likely to like Georgetown. I would be less likely to like Colorado. Which is the same thing. Exactly. Okay. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. One of the things I I, I can't bet against Colorado, they are the best free throw shooting team in the nation. You know, I just don't like Georgetown's defense. They They were the 10th most efficient defense. We're talking Parma here just in the Big East. So, you know, this is one of those cases where I would like to take the hot team, Georgetown coming in. I just can't do it. Uh, I am going to advance Colorado and lean Colorado. Okay. Now, we didn't say it explicitly, but I think we should back it up a second. Iowa, Grand Canyon, you guys both like Grand Canyon, but Iowa to advance. Iowa to advance. Right? Correct. Awesome. Okay, so uh, Colorado, Georgetown for you, AJ. Yeah, I, I, like, I lean Colorado here. I advance Colorado, certainly. Uh, against the spread, I probably lean Georgetown, although it's, it's not a play for me either yeah. way. I, I think it, it, Georgetown, they've got great size as always. Well, Colorado beat USC three times this year, and we talked earlier about USC size, so size isn't really an issue uh, for Colorado. They, 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 
you mentioned losing some luster, losing to Oregon State. Before that game, they'd won six games in a row, including four against tournament teams. They had an off-shooting night against Oregon State. I'm not knocking them that much for that. I, I think Colorado is kind of a, a dark horse, not, not to win the championship, but I think Colorado could make a run in this thing. People are, are just kind of overlooking them. So Colorado can make a run, but you, you don't even have a pick on them, so you must like Georgetown too. In I, a way. No, I don't particularly like Georgetown, but so George, how, Georgetown's the top, te- the hot team right now. So are you scared of the hot team? Well, I, I, I mean, there's five points that decides this. So it's a lean in, in that I mean, right. Usually a first round. I'm, I'm not debating as much as trying. It just doesn't ring true to me. If I hear a fifth seed is potentially could do get to the final four, I'm thinking they're going to dominate in the first round. One of the problems with me loving Colorado is they have a lot of success at home. Mm-hmm. And okay, that's interesting. But they they're not playing home for this tournament. They're not going to be at home in this but tournament. They might make a run. Right. Okay. So we're, we're, yeah. All right. Uh, that is a great point. These are uh, do you think of these as road games or is as a well, uh, new or um so, so Colorado all but one of the games they lost this year was somewhere other than their home court, either a neutral or because yeah. there was, there's a lot more neutral games played this year than there oh, ever okay, has that's been. An interesting point. But e- either neutral sites or road games, all but one of their losses came at the, in, away from home. So you then, Dave, on this quick question is in general, do you weight performance on the road as more important in the tournament? So as you're looking back on the season, I'd rather have a team that's really good on the road. Certainly, I, I mean, what I do is if a team has drastic splits one way or the other then I would take it into account. If not, I, I don't really worry about it. But in this case, all but one of their losses were away well, from yeah. home. So, yeah, it's alarming. Which would it's, make you not alarming. like the team, though, yeah. right? But you actually like them. I like them to win. I don't. That's why I don't necessarily like oh. them to cover. Oh, I was going by you thought they were going to make a long run, you said. Oh, I think that they're better than people think they are is what I'm saying. I think they're an undervalued team. The f- and you mentioned the fact that they're just a five-point favorite against Georgetown. I'm sort of letting the market decide if, if I love this team or not, and they're keeping me away from it. If this thing, if this wouldn't, but you're have, saying this line should be higher if you're right. Yes. Okay. But see, that's always the catch 22 to me is if I trusted the market more than myself, how do I bet against the market? I guess with Georgetown, the, the scary thing about Georgetown is if they didn't win these last four games, they'd be nowhere near the term. They wouldn't have made the NIT. Uh, so uh, they, uh, there's something to be said about a hot team coming into things, but if you if you told me two three weeks ago, you asked him if he, if Georgetown played Colorado in the regular season, I, I would have played Colorado minus five and not even blinked. And if it was in Colorado, you'd uh, well, I guess without fans, but you'd lay seven probably. In love. Yeah, oh, easy. Colorado, their home court advantage is more elevation based than than Which fan based. Which stayed persistent through COVID. Yes. And if anything, you would say considering teams aren't in shape, like you're saying, it'd be a bigger factor. Yeah. Okay. And and generally with you, Dave, how much do you emphasize the road results? Any additional because these are more like road games? Looking back, if, you, if we're talking about Colorado, yes, absolutely. I, I, but I'm talking about all, all teams. All, like, is that a handicapping approach is emphasize yeah, absolutely. road games? absolutely. I mean, I, I look at Michigan State who had two road wins, and I think it was over Indiana and maybe Iowa State. So their performance on the road, that will totally factor in here. All right, it's Dave Esser. We got AJ Hoffman. Now we got Mackenzie Rivers, who we had an idea. That whole theory about young teams trending up, veteran teams uh, having a good year. Give us the highlights, Mackenzie. 
Right, so we looked at two factors, experience and trajectory. For trajectory, we looked at Sagarin's rating, the recent rating versus their overall rating. You sound smart. Go ahead, keep going. Well, I got a great mentor. Yeah. And uh, we also looked at experience. So mostly the most important experience is your starting five. So we looked at that. We also looked at top seven players. And by experience, we ranked it as how many years has this player been a top seven minutes player? On the team. Okay. Yes, On so that specific team. So if they transferred, it doesn't count. With that criterion, Illinois pops out big. Illinois is the third most experienced team, only behind Iowa and Texas. And they also have by far the highest upward trajectory. Their current rating is six points better than their season rating. So with those two factors, it makes me really look at um, Illinois. We also looked at the least experienced teams. So you're looking at so. So let's talk about Illinois. Yeah. So to me, I thought traje- I thought trajectory would be with the uh, like. To me, it kind of throws me. Why would there be an experienced team? that has a big trajectory because the theory is they came into the season with the advantage, right? So I almost look at that and say that feels more likely like an aberration as in why would an experienced team get so much better throughout the season? Yeah, that's interesting because I think when you say experience coming in, I think of that Virginia team a couple years ago that they full of upperclassmen and it was we knew at the beginning of the year they were going to be good. And in the COVID year, that kind of team is going to be even better, you'd think. You would think so, yeah. When I was coming into this season, teams that had some sort of, uh, you know, guys rolling over, if they had any kind of consistency rolling in from last year, I gave them an immediate edge, especially for the first couple weeks of the tournament. Did that pan out well? Yeah. So what we're saying is the universe of teams we considered were the top 14 favorites. That's right. That's right. And Illinois was the third most experienced coming in, and they have an upward trajectory, which caused me – Calls into question if if there may be a fugazi a little bit. Now I'm interested, but what it says is it makes sense. Gonzaga uh, was number okay, so Gonzaga was ranked what on this regard? Oh, one sec. Mm-hmm. In terms of experience, yes. Gonzaga was. Do you got the, the eighth? Do you got the teams ranked in experience? Yes. Yeah, show me that page. This is the okay, perfect. Okay, so let's. I'm just going to read this through here. So the most experienced team was Texas. All right. So this is from most experienced coming into the season: Texas, Iowa, Illinois, Alabama, Kansas, Baylor, Michigan, West Virginia, Florida State, Gonzaga, Ohio State, Virginia, Houston, Oklahoma State. Okay. So what this tells us is it kind of makes sense that. A Texas had a good season, though you would say they didn't have a great season, right? Good season, and it makes they won the Big Twelve. Yeah, and they which is a sign of later season performance. So that's interesting. Okay, so what I was trying to do was kind of dismiss a really good team, saying, "Oh, maybe they're a little overrated." And I actually think that Iowa and Illinois, you'd say they had an advantage of experience that maybe is relatively less important now. So now the flip side is who do we want to look to play on using this theory? Mackenzie. Oklahoma State, where they have obviously a a top five pick in Cade Cunningham, the least experienced team, and the second best upward trajectory, Mm -hmm. four points better recently. All right, now think about it. Now, recently was from when to when? Sagarin uh, just has recently and overall. Okay, uh, oh, so you're just using the, their recently number. Okay, that's yeah. good. All right, so and what's been the average 
uh, I guess the average would, well, no, I guess amongst tournament teams would be part. So who's got, give me the upward trajectories and let's just get a feel of who surged. So we mentioned Illinois, they're number one with six points better. Uh Oklahoma State second, big drop off. Alabama, two and a half points better recently. Gonzaga, two points better. So Gonzaga's getting better. Yep. And they're a youngish team relative. So that actually makes sense. Oh, he likes his bet. Oh, I'm on your side too, Mm -hmm. though. I like We call it our bet. Our bet now, exactly. All right. So the question, Oklahoma State meets the, like, this is what I projected, that there'd be a team that trended up hard that was inexperienced. What do you guys think of Oklahoma State? I'm not as crazy about Oklahoma State as as a lot of people are. Oklahoma State's getting a lot of love because they were underseeded, according to some people. Uh, so there's instantly a reaction to that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not crazy about that reaction. They've played a lot of close games down the stretch, a couple overtime games late in the season. And did they win an inordinate number of those? Uh, they won two of their overtime games. That What's really sticking out for, for them is they beat Baylor, and not many teams beat Baylor this year. So, but you're but, saying since it's later in the year, you call that into question. I think it's more of an indictment of Baylor post COVID than I think it's a, a a play on Oklahoma State. Dave, yeah, I'm going to go with AJ. I I, I kind of torn on this, but this is a team that lost to TCU not once but when twice. was that? When was that? Though? Twice was it early? Once or once December, once February. So early. Yeah, and I mean TCU takes the air out of the ball, and I, I think Oklahoma struggles with like uh, Oklahoma State will struggle with a team like that, and and as fate would have it, that would be Liberty. Okay, interesting. All right, so we'll be talking about that in the second half here. All right, that's a good good work, Mackenzie. That was good. All right, did was there any other observations you had like digging in the numbers? Just how far Illinois and Oklahoma State is from the rest of the pack as far as improvement. They're like twice as improved as number three Alabama. All right. Mackenzie has a theme song. I'm a lotto, an albino, a mosquito, my libido. What do you think? Pretty catchy. Mm-hmm. That's Nirvana. Is it? You familiar with Smells Like Teen Spirit? Never heard of it. Okay. <laughs> Pop culture is not my thing. Did you ever drink natural light as a kid? Never. Never drink natty light? No, I have. Okay. <laughs> Fezzik, we go, um, what did he say? I said natty light. What did he say? Just last week he said something about, um, oh, I can't, I'll ask him tomorrow. It was like so out of left field. Has Fezzik ever drank a beer? He drinks white wine. That's what I was thinking. He seems like a spritzer guy. <laughs> I tell you this. He drank two white wines once, and he started confessing shit. I ran the other way. <laughs> and it's a true story, actually. I didn't let him drive. All right, next game. <laughs> He's an asset. Florida State against NC Greensboro. Florida State 10.5. Dave Esler. Yeah, Greensboro's always been a decent team, and I was kind of looking for a spot to take them here. Uh, big, but this is their worst team in four years. They can play some defense, but they just don't have the offense or the length to compete with FSU. And this is a team that lost to Coppin State. Uh, so there's no upset happening here. But FSU, they got a long habit of playing to the level of their competition. So I would lean Greensboro ATS. But Florida State advance. Correct. Uh, Florida State advancing. I like when the bracket was being revealed. I kept thinking, "Oh, give Greensboro a good matchup. This is a disaster matchup for them. They haven't Why? seen athletes anywhere near this level. They didn't play a single 
high major opponent this year. But you like them in certain ways. I do. Kind of like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well-coached teams that do the, the they shoot well. They're running into an athletic monster here in Florida State. It, there's just very few paths to victory here for for Greensboro. I think so. I I I I probably lean Florida State to cover, uh, but I certainly have Florida State advancing. I like I love the matchup handicap and great job. Both of you guys. BYU. Oh, we got another playing. Oh, oof. Now, BYU is the team the winner plays. Dave, thoughts on BYU? Yeah, I think BYU comes into this tournament extremely underrated. I mean, they're a big team. They're an experienced team. They don't miss from the line. They play defense. All of those things are just tough to fade. They got six losses. Three of them were to Gonzaga. So I just think they come in here under the radar I think they beat either UCLA or Michigan State. And I actually think if Texas gets by Abilene, um, I know I may get some pushback on A.J., uh, but I think they might play next weekend as well because I could actually see them beating Texas. Okay, so what, Mackenzie, what is the BYU line against uh, Michigan State's favor? So let's say Michigan State uh, by Ken Palm. I just want to see if you would like that number or if you got it, Dave. You can I don't think me. you can call that up until they actually play. Well, well, until they're actually the power just, just yeah. the power ratings is I guess I guess Ken Palm makes other adjustments, but just power rating wise, you got that, McKen? Six point line, BYU favored for so Michigan State. What would you like in that case? Uh, I'll take BYU. What are you thinking, Andy? All right, AJ. I, I think BYU would would beat them. I, I don't know that I'd want to lay six. Numbers plus. about right. Well, here's the other thing though: Michigan State's gonna you know as bad as they are, and we've talked about it. And I agree with everything you say. They're on short rest now. Sure. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would have less problem taking BYU in that situation. All right. So what do you think of BYU in general, AJ? Uh, BYU is more physical than they've been in the past, which which I kind of like. Uh, they've got uh, they had Matt Harms transfer in from Purdue, uh, and he, he he had 253 block shots this season, which is just a crazy number. Uh, so I, I like what they're doing. They. 111 points per 100 possessions. That that gives you a chance against a lot of teams. Uh, they crash the glass. I I like them quite a bit. They've got some good decision makers handling the ball. It, it, they're they're a play on team for me. Texas against Abilene as a aforementioned game. Dave Esler. Yeah, I was going to totally totally give this one to AJ, but I think I'll just probably set him up really well here. Yeah, I'm going to go Abilene Christian here and and. Abilene's got a few guys that were here a couple of years ago when they lost in the first round to Kentucky by 35 points. So I don't think they're coming in here wide-eyed. I know they're smaller than Texas, but they played Arkansas and Texas Tech tough before conference play. So I can do nothing but take the points. I would have loved to have had 10, but I think there's still some value now at, at 7.5 or 8. Now, if A.J. was talking earlier that he likes Texas a good bit overall in the tournament, correct, to advance more than I do. my thing? Do you agree with that, Dave, though you like Abilene here? Do, are you pro-Texas? Uh, I'm probably not as high on Texas as AJ is based on some of the other conversations we've had, but in this particular game, yes. They will. I don't see them losing, but... Yeah, but what I'm saying is by, by picking the underdog against Texas here, you're saying in, in this case, I'm saying I, I dislike Texas enough to go against them. Now, cool. it's possible because of the matchup and stuff you do in this case... But you would be optimistic about Texas to, you know, advance and do well, you know, relative to their seeding. Is that the case? Meaning, is this just general Texas negativity or is this in this specific matchup you're against them, but you're neutral on them in general? 
I'm neutral on him in general. I mean, I've always tried to to sort of give Shaka Smart the benefit of the doubt, but I just can't anymore. And I don't like Texas, as I said earlier, even in the next game. So how can I love them to pound ACU? Your pick, AJ? Uh, I don't have a a, a, a lean. Though. A, a, I guess if I had a lean, it's it's Abilene Christian. I think Th- the, this one's almost. You think the numbers? I think right. the numbers very sharp. Uh, I think it's a matter of whose size gets it done. ACU has a, a guy named Colton Cole, a seven footer shot blocker, uh, basically makes everything around the basket. Good enough to dominate teams in the Southland. But now he's going to be matched up against. Is that what it's called, the Southland? Southland Conference, like, yeah. Like a place of movie set, or they, they're down in the Southland. But now he's going to be matched up against Kai Jones, Greg Brown. These are guys who are are better versions of anything he's seen in that conference. So it's a matter of how the size ends up playing here. So Texas, you did you you were, lived in Austin for how long? From '04 to 2010. So six years, but you, you were you like around UT? You were yeah. Radio, I, I right? covered I covered the uh, I covered basketball and football. I did pre and post game shows. Yeah, I was pretty. Oh, so you were there in 08. So when they won the national title, I was there. Wow, you were at the game. I was I was on the sideline. Well, that's I think that's the best college game I ever saw. Same. I mean, you ever see a player do what Vince Young did in that no. game? No. <laughs> I mean, it was like if I remember, there was that like a fourth and nine play and. It's like he he brought it in like it was nothing. I mean, it just goes to show you, man, the NFL, it's, it's such a crapshoot because huh, you had a little story not for, for air about some experiences. Awesome. <laughs> it's uh, Boy, I tell you, though, it feels like, and I know they made a new hire with Sarkeesian, but on the football side, it wasn't that long ago that Texas almost had their pick of everyone in the state. It should be the best job in the country, and it's just not anymore. But I'm saying even when Mac Brown was still there, it was like A&M, you know, Tech. Nobody they, was picking them. They were way – yeah. I mean, Oklahoma could come in and, and get a few – And LSU could come in every once in a while. That was it. And, I mean, Texas is what? At least the the third best state for football. I mean, it's California, Florida, Texas is top three, right? For high school talent? Yeah. Oh, it's number one. Yeah, so I'm saying – I mean, because Florida obviously has produced a lot of talent. Mm. Would you Texas wasn't number one in the nineties? Would you say? I mean, I know you weren't around, but no, I don't know in the nineties. I mean, because remember, Miami was killing it. Yeah, Florida State and Bowden was killing it, and um, I'm having a block. Who's the third Miami? Or Florida. Florida. Florida was killing it. I think about the, yeah. those three, and they were and High State with Cooper was coming out and getting people down there. So it was like what a, a hotbed. I think what changed a lot for Texas was A and M going to the SEC. Which helped in theory. It, it opened the door for SEC schools to come into Texas ah. and, and take some of that talent. But I was thinking it would make A and M like if you wanted to play in the SEC, A and M became a viable option too. A and M has become a viable option. They've they've recruited right there with Texas for the last ten years, and that would have never happened prior. So former high state guy Herman that got let go. Did, were you? A, did you think he deserved another year? Or I assumed they would give him another year. But I don't think he deserved anything. He he did better than Charlie Strong did, which was he didn't have losing seasons, uh, and he had some bowl success. But I think what they realized was he's not the he's not a great guy. He, he didn't make people feel good about the program. And was it he wasn't a Texas guy? Because in Texas, if you're not a Texas guy, it's I think tough. He's, he's just smug, and he didn't play to. It's probably the same way to Ohio State. Boosters, donors, these are the guys who you really when have to please. When you're OC, you don't, it doesn't matter. It does matter. Absolutely matters. I said matters when you're OC. 
Oh, when you're the offensive coordinator? No, yeah. that doesn't matter. And that's what he was at high state. Right. That's what I'm saying it didn't matter. Right. But if you've got to if you've got to play to and that's what something Mac was so great at, playing to the donors, playing to high school coaches. Tom Herman didn't do any of that, and I think it turned some people off. Now, did you uh, you ever watch uh, Friday Night Lights? Absolutely. The, the series. Yeah. Yeah, I really. Minka Kelly, the love of my <laughs> life. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I really think that depicted things. Like, I mean, I've been, you know, my best buddy was at Houston for a couple years, and so I was down there a couple times, and uh, and uh, a g- couple good friends or his brothers actually were at Texas Tech. I was in Lubbock one long, snowed-in week. Oh, my God. And I just, you know, got a little feel of it down there, and it feels like that Friday Night Lights depicts it in such a, a, an accurate way. Just the love of the belief. You know, I, I remember the scene, sweet the one I do, is uh, the coach is driving the daughters there saying, we should move to Seattle, we should move to Seattle. And the, da- and, and the daughter goes, they got football up, you know, they got football up in Seattle. And he turns and goes, it's different. <laughs> Do you think it's a – obviously it's a TV show, but is it a, a glimpse, you think? Yeah, it's a glimpse. It's certainly, it's certainly a lot more serious there, and it's weird. In, like if, you're, if you look at it from an outsider's view, I could see thinking, oh, my gosh, they're, they're very odd about this. See, but I disagree. I think if, if people are only looking in life for something to care about, and if you can care about something that's not bad for other people, it doesn't have to be good. It just, it just can't be bad. Then what more? Can, if you work, pay your taxes, and then you care about football, how bad is that? There is something to being obsessed with. Like, there's people who watch high school football who don't have a kid playing. Oh, people? It's probably three fourths of the. I mean, well, hold on a second. When you get thirty thousand watching a game, right. there's only so many kids on the sidelines, yeah. right? I mean. It, that last thing on it, it goes to show you it doesn't matter how good you are in a league. It matters that the competition is relatively the same, meaning any Division One program could crush any high school football team in Texas. But no, but there's a lot of like, you know, Minnesota could crush Texas. This uh, University of Minnesota could crush the best high school team in Texas. Sure. But no one cares about Minnesota football. Right. But in its life down there. They're heroes. All right. Hey, when you're in Florida, you never got – in Boston, high school football just isn't a big deal, right? No, I don't think football at any level was a big deal in Boston. Even, even the, at the other, time, other, the other, other than the NFL. Oh, the page. Yeah, okay. But, well, Flute well, had Well, he was there. It wasn't even that big of a deal then, was it? What? In the 80s, the, the 90s? Patriots? It yeah. certainly wasn't as big of a deal as it is now. Oh, no, of course not. Or as big as the Celtics were. Well, you look right? at a team that played in, what, eight stadiums in 12 years. Yeah, nobody cared. No. And would you say... I did. Would no. you say in 95 or mid-90s, the Red Sox were bigger than the Patriots? 95. Uh, or just mid-90s? Yeah, yeah, probably, oh, for sure. I mean, the Patriots weren't as big as anybody until, you know, you know who took over and... Oh, Parcells did all right initially, right? Yeah, well, they would have let him shop for the groceries, so <laughs> in came Bill. All right. So you— Advanced Texas. Advanced Texas, no opinion on the no. spread. All right, we got Connecticut. We got Maryland. UConn, two and a half. They- yeah, I like UConn here. I'm not going to overthink this. UConn has the best player on the floor with Book Knight. Maryland relies way too heavily on jump shots. I love Dan Hurley. UConn, the number one defense in the Big East. And I look at UConn's losses, primarily the teams that spread them up. That's not Maryland. Uh, I'm advancing and betting on UConn. Okay, so 
as we're looking at UConn moving forward, if a team can set the pace against them, it's a problem for them. I, I believe so. It, yeah. UConn's going to be one of my seven. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like UConn a lot here. Uh, these teams headed in different directions. I, I, I don't like Maryland. I, I don't. I don't understand. I, I've watched Maryland play a couple times, and I, I can't wrap my head around that anyone thinks they're good. Uh, they play sort of a small ball lineup. They, they don't have a lot of death, depth. They, they moved Hart to the point guard spot about halfway through the season. The offense got a little bit better. It's more gut than anything, but I just feel like UConn's actually a good team, and Maryland is disguised as a good team. Maybe I'm underestimating the Big Ten schedule, but I just haven't been high on them. They they started one and five in conference play, and kudos to them for bouncing back. But I'm I'm just not much of a believer here. So we got a Michigan team that was healthy most of the year in the Big Ten, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State was good generally, or at least you know however you want to say. It. Is Big Ten clearly the best conference by far? By far, and a team that didn't perform particularly like a, in theory a 500 team there could be what in the pac 12 could be you know a 75 percent team so in general you are apprehensive or some would say not eager to fade the big 10 if it's a lesser team yes okay you agree with that dave in uh, general you got to give the 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 middle tier so what big 10 teams made the tournament other than those big three ohio state's number four michigan state Purdue, Wisconsin, and so those, so Rutgers. You, Rutgers, yeah. So those teams in general, if you're just looking at the record, you're probably doing them a disservice. Probably. That's such tough comment. I mean, if yeah. you're, you know. If but Maryland's sub, they're sub 500 in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Usually that would be a huge deal. It gets mitigated some. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. So both of you guys. Uh, have advancing, and obviously you have a bet on Connecticut. Well, we talked about Michigan State a minute ago and their record. M- Maryland 16-13. and 13. If they didn't play in the conference they played in, they wouldn't be sniffing the tournament. But that you, when you play in that conference, if you win games, you've got some quality wins. In the Big Ten. All right, last game on this side of the bracket, Alabama, Iona, and Alabama's favored by 16-and-a-half. Yeah, I mean, good story here, AJ. I, I love the story about Iona. They had huge COVID problems. Patino comes in. Uh, you know, what's interesting here is Patino goes up against Alabama and it was Patino that beat Alabama when he was a coach at Providence, I believe, way back when. But Bama's defense is just too much, even if their offense is off. Iona has issues protecting the ball. I think Alabama will just physically run them into the ground. I don't think this game will be even close. Uh, it's one of the few times I actually like the favorite ATS. Okay, so this is a bettable one, not a top seven. Uh, I think it's a lean. I, I, I'm a little... Reluctant to lay 17 points. So borderline, almost battable. Correct. Okay. And again, this goes back to the idea, if they're up big but not super big late, they don't have any great desire for, or they don't want to give up the fatigue for margin. Well, especially a team like Alabama that plays so fast. And, you know, they, they might not want to, you know, totally embarrass Rick Patino. I mean, that 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 that's that mm, that's that kind it. of factors in there maybe. It's, it's interesting when you were talking about the COVID problems and – Fezzik, we actually got tape of when he heard about those COVID problems. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. That we, yeah, but anyway, on Wednesday, it's going to be Dave Esler and Fez recording released on Thursday. We'll talk about the tournament, but also some NFL stuff. Dave is a true expert with the Patriots. Uh, a lot of time in Boston and been a hardcore fan. And I'm a big believer when you're a professional handicapper and you're a fan, 
if you can remove yourself, your fandom from the decisions, it's a huge advantage because you engage with the team. My record is best against, with the Steelers by far, but I'm usually against them 60% on them 40. But I, uh, that, this uh, Alabama game. I, I, I think Alabama's bettable 16 and a half. Right. I, they're one of the more complete teams in the country. Everybody can shoot from outside. They play at a crazy pace, which normally means if you play at a high pace on offense, your defense usually suffers. Alabama's got the second-best defense in the country. Now, is that because of fatigue, or is that because the game just gets a mindset the scoring's acceptable? It's typically because you're so willing to, to work in transition. You want to uh, work in transition. Out or whatever. You'll, you'll let some things go that you otherwise wouldn't. Uh, I, you mentioned Iona dealt with one of the longest shutdowns in the country this year. They're a pretty good defensive team, but they foul too much, and Alabama gets to the line a lot and they're one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. So that that's a problem. Uh, there there's some things to like about this Iona team, but they the the athletic edges that their guys have in the MAC they won't have against this Alabama team. So I, I think Alabama's got a, a good chance. They've got one of the best country, uh, best coaches in the whole country in Nate Oates. Uh, I think they've got a good chance to just steamroll this Iona team. I like to think about what you're saying, what you guys are saying, and so this is interesting. So you're saying if you're a team that likes to that, that, that has a fast-paced offense, mm-hmm. part of that is going to be getting out on the break. So part of that means your defense is going to suffer um, sometimes. So under that theory, if the opponent rebounds really well, that is a big factor then. So a team that's leaking out a little bit because the theory is how is it going to hurt them? It's going to hurt them offensive rebounds. Yeah. Okay. I'm just thinking about matchups that exploit. Typically teams that that work like Alabama works aren't great offensive rebound rate teams. Mm-hmm. But in this case, what would be important is the opponent's offensive That's rebound. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're, they're Alabama's not, they're, opponent offensive rebound rate is two hundred and forty fifth in the country. They're not the, they're not worried about you getting offensive rebounds because it, more often than not, we, we if you don't get it, they're gonna score. Okay. And they're willing to t- they're willing to make that trade off. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, I know this sounds like an obvious question, but is Alabama's defensive rebounding the same as the other teams? Like, when you're saying Alabama against the other team's offensive rebound, isn't that their defensive rebounding? It's the the rate that they allow offensive rebounds at. So how many – how many of it, a lot of that depends on their opponent's misses as opposed okay. to just total numbers. All right, interesting. Now, are you, would you say you're an advanced analytics guy – you know, in I know the NBA has more of a culture of that, but are you the type to look at? Are you looking at a lot of stats that weren't even in the conversation ten years ago? Uh, if they were on Ken Palm ten years ago, I was looking so, at. So it 10 that's years been ago. that's been a driver for that's you. That's a Bible for me. Okay, and you feel the same way, right? Absolutely. And what is it if you just had to say if someone was starting out as a handicap, or not even? Let's say they were writing an article about handicappers. They said, in general, not specifics, but broadly, what does Ken Palm do that you really value? It would be what comprehensiveness of stats, or how? What would you say? Uh, I think it's comprehensiveness of stats, but it's also the ability to go backwards any number, like the archive, any number of years, really quickly. And you can go back to last year's box score, or 20 years ago, uh, 2001, I guess it is, box score, and just there it is. How about you? Uh, For me, it's. It's the ability to put everything in one place. When you mm-hmm. talk about having like our super sheet, right? But when you talk about having 357 teams, yeah. there's just so much information to be able to go through it in one place instead of having to go to multiple sites and find that. That's pretty valuable. And at this point, his numbers where he projects in the game, the spread doesn't vary very often. Not very often. 
Wow, I actually, th- I, I think there's there's a couple games, maybe three or four games, and they're usually the eight nine. Like North Carolina, Wisconsin, Ken Palm has Wisconsin minus two. The lines North Carolina minus two. So there, it's a rare occurrence, though. You know what's funny? I would almost, if you had to blind bet any game that Ken uh, for the whole season that Ken Palm's off by three points or more, would you blind bet with Ken Palm or against Ken Palm? That he's off three. Yeah. Three so points Ken or Palm more? says six. And the line's nine. Do you bet the favor or do you bet the duck? I'd I'd want to be on Ken Palm's side more often than that than not. I actually would be opposite. Okay. And here's why. I think Ken Palm's so respected. If the line's off, there's a reason. There's a reason why. That's that was, what about you, Dave? What yeah, I'm you? with you. If the line's off, there's a reason why. Yeah. I think and I'm not saying every time. I'm hey, exactly. All right, let's then I'm, you'll be on Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm gonna do a quick audible here. <laughs> 